Time to go to church. Time to celebrate Jesus. Time to read the Bible. Come on, or you're going to hell. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. This show is behind the shem shemmers. Yes, it seems. I'll give you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniac! What is a man? You blew it up! Damn you! A miserable little pile of secrets! Damn you all to hell! What is BTS? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance of this. Your patience is wearing thin. Assistant General Manager, KRX-TV, Grand Junction, Colorado. Dear Mr. Allen, thanks for your letter of July 7th. I was uh, particularly struck by the fact that you take exception to the profanities utilized in my letter. And to that, I can only say, fuck off. I take exception to 99% of the cheap goddamn garbage you put on the air. Your scheduling is a monument to everything rotten in America. And you have the gall to sit there and call my letter profane? You ignorant freak. (laughs) From now on, I'll address you on your own level. You're a fine example of the kind of waterhead who has crippled the whole television medium. If you think my letter was profane, you should take a look at the real world sometime. The world you tried to censor when you cut CBS News. But it's still out there, old sport, and it's closing in. Sincerely, Hunter S. Thompson. Repping one, the other one percent. This is episode one twenty five of Behind the Schemes for November seventh, twenty twenty two, and I self identify as an ignorant freak. This is Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman, and all the way from the bereft coast where today's weirdness is tomorrow's reason why. My name is Lavish. I love that. That is a Hunter S. Thompson quote as well. So good.
Yeah. Old Hunter, I have to say, is an inspiration to, to all of us. To me, at least. Yeah, I've uh, got the uh the Hell's Angels book. I was I was uh I was musing over it and I was like be kind of fun to pick, dude, pick through this so again. Many, so many Hell's Angels recently. Like driving around. Oh. There have been a lot of people repping the colors and and riding around on Harleys, you know. And uh Hell's Angels are typically from this area, from the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, but you don't see them around very often, but I've been seeing them all over the damn place. So it's kind of funny. You bring them up. Very interesting. I wonder what's, uh, what's bringing them out. Uh, resurgence in recruitment, perhaps maybe people can afford motorcycles these days. I don't know. Hmm, maybe, but, uh, everybody likes the hell's angels. I think it's a much more tame organization now than it was then. Mm, no doubt. <laughs> a little, a little more light on the outlaw. I mean, you never know. Probably still dabble. That's, I'm not saying that they're Boy Scouts or anything, but you know, it, it's as the kids say, it's 2022. <laughs> well, very cool. Uh, how you been? How was your week? You got anything going on? No, just been busy and uh, weather's been changing and just kind of cruising on by. Lots of strange things happening in the news and around the world and trying to keep up on that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, grooving around ever since the road trip. Ever since I got back from the road trip, it's just kind of been like uh, gr- grinding in, in a good way. It's a good grind, but it's like I, I had my little thing, and then now I'm going to just, you know, <laughs> go nuts here. Make Ye- my nest. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling the, uh, the grueling process along with you. It's just been one... Um one fire after another stomping out (laughs) sometimes with my face it feels like (laughs) (laughs) the most uh you know fireproof part of your body of course no doubt right because it's it's the it's the highest from the ground i think i think that's the reason why and it has the most blood in it so it has the most wet stuff in it Mm. so it can't you know (laughs) all that blood in your brain is cooling down your face as you get burned it's it's a foolproof plan science (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you do the math. You do the math. It's like that with more splatter. Mm. But yeah, we uh we I'd say we had a fairly successful uh, past week. Uh on Sunday both you and I were on the most recent edition of Battle of the Douchebags Part 9, oh, the final yeah. showdown. Yeah. The championship round. And I just want to give a hearty congratulations to Sir Sir Seedsetter for what he was able to pull off. Uh, over this entire process, I, I think it's it's something to be really proud of. It's definitely something that's never been done before in this uh, prestigious circle. Mm-hmm. Having that many people over that lengthy period of time, and to have a nine episode series, basically of of just a you know, I- essentially a seamless series. Yeah. I thought it ended on such a perfect note. <laughs> Dude, you're going to have to just go and listen. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, <laughs> but I like it. I always have uh we always have such a great time doing doing shows with him with the uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter shitmyass.com. Yeah, if you want to check out his show, which is called Abs and a Six Pack, just type that up Abs and a Six Pack or you can go to shitmyass.com and you can check him out 
He's had a bunch of people on. In fact, he's had a very famous guy on that I'm going to talk about today. Oh, very cool. Very legal. I like it. That's right. Well, uh, and then after, or last weekend, we had the Halloween episode. Lightbright was was uh, in was taken over for you. And then uh, Sunday, we had the Post No Agenda show. So it's been a lot of shows in these past two weeks. Yeah, we've been, yeah. We've been uh, doing the circuit, as it were. It ebbs and flows, no doubt. It's yeah. very, it's interesting. You know, you got you, there's like actual <laughs> what it feels like busy seasons for podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the holiday season. People are around. I suppose mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to check the stats on that one. See if it's real. No doubt. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and kick off tonight's party with the tarot card. From the Line Strider deck, this it's is a good one too. Yeah, it's the reversed Four of Pentacles. The reversed Four of Pentacles. And uh, I just want to say, I'm super digging the art for this tarot card tonight. Yes. Uh, what is featured on the Line Strider deck? It is, it's it's a watercolor and, and ink sort of a, a style of illustration, and. Um, in the upright version of the card, what you see is a woman in a pale blue dress with pale skin and, and red hair. And it looks like she's, I can't tell if she's carrying something on her back or not, or if that's just like streaks that's that's in the artwork. And it kind of looks like a, a bow and arrow, bow and quiver to me, but. Oh, yeah. It's got the drawstring there. It's got, yeah, I think it's a bow and arrow. And then, it's typically associated with the wands, so it's cool that it's it's there, but it's not the centerpiece. It's hidden behind her. Yeah. Kind of off obfuscated. <laughs> yeah. The wands energy is here. Yeah, and the in the normal art, uh, I'm looking at it courtesy of Gal in the green room. It's a gentleman perched on a bench or a stool of some sort with two coins under his feet. Uh, or two pinnacles under his feet, I should say. And he's holding one, and on top of his head sits the last pinnacle. Right, which means he's a, a prosperous fellow, and uh, is very comfortable. Yeah. Four of pinnacles is sort of a, a card of um, financial stability, in a certain way. Yeah. So not only stability internally, or externally, but internally as well. In some general keywords about the Four of Pentacles, wealth, prosperity, stinginess, materialism, and short uh, short sightedness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the excesses and fallouts of greed, or of prosperity as well. In my David Bowie book, it, the uh, the sentence that defines the Four of Pentacles is, "I have great influence and power." Ooh, let's uh, let's tuck that one away in our pocket. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. Um, in general, the positive aspects of this card are less mentioned than the negative aspects. When in the reverse position, it speaks of st- uh, stinginess and miserliness. Miserliness? Mm. Uh, miserliness, yeah. Negative material tendencies and an obsession with poverty that you are, uh, that are, that is hindering your progress. You are reluctant to spend money or spend too much to fight your fear of uh, poverty. Either way, you need to take 
better control of your finances to honestly evaluate what you have to learn to let go of fears, anxieties, stinginess, and to see wealth is only one aspect of healthy living. Right. Yeah. It's about the paranoia of wealth. It's about, you know, I have, if you make some money and you've got some coin in your pocket, you don't want to lose it. You don't want to spend it. But unfortunately, it comes at an even greater cost. With a little money not spent, you lose a lot of life. There's certain opportunities, certain things you can do in life that you just have to spend some money to go and do. And you'll be the better off for it in the long term, but in the short term, it's a, it's a big pain in your ass. <laughs> mm, no doubt. you're broke. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, if you want to check out that tarot card, it's posted up at the top of our show notes, which can be found at zososcorner.substack.com. And oh my goodness, it is a thick stack for tonight. Boo! Spooky. Mm, thick stack. Thick stacks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all part of our value for value platform. There's no barrier to entry over there. There's no subscription that you have to sign up for, a paid subscription. Uh, it's all of our show notes that uh, we're going to be referencing for tonight. All of the links, the clips, the pictures, the the artwork, all of it. It's there. Yeah. But if that's overwhelming, I, I would just simplify it to three things. Check out zososcorner.substack.com. Check out the notes and check out our chat room. Mm. And from there... All, all will be unlocked. All will be revealed to you. Yeah. At whatever it, pace you desire. Yep. Badradio.live will take you over to our chat room. It's the hashtag green room on zero node. And uh, we also got a t-shirt website that's uh, ran by Make Heroism and MK Ultra. And they actually went out and put every design that they've ever released on the motherfucking threadless up there till the end uh, of the year. Which is so sick. So I just sick. got more shirts, and now I'm going to get even more shirts. She's alive! Alive! Hell it's yeah. alive! <laughs> Give my creation life! <laughs> yeah. Oh. God, can't get enough of these shirts. They're they're very cool and also extremely legal. Yes. Uh, some have said very legal. Some have. Yeah. And uh, more than some. The last place that you can hang out with us is uh, spook.social. It's a Mastodon server that we set up uh, as of late. And <laughs> get in there before all the, uh, uh, all the spies, all the other spooks start showing up. Yeah, if you don't want to pay your eight bucks, come on over to Macedon. It's where the cool kids are going. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, the future is now, old man. So come on in. Uh, Spook.social. Hit it up. Yeah. And we do this show live every Monday night over at BehindTheSchemes.com. We're also on the No Agenda stream, courtesy of Sir Bemrose. Broadcast starts at 7 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. And um, we're also lit in Podverse and Karyocaster. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we're, we're oozing into all the crevices. Yes, like a giant wet blanket. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 November favorite. November yes. favorite, yes. Uh, mm. Well, the... Um, I guess that leads us into some of the boostergrams that we received uh, since last week. Boostergrams are micropayments of Bitcoin, which are sent along the Lightning Network. And you can send and receive Bitcoin in real time. 
uh, for nominal fees. It outclasses, outranks, outweighs PayPal in every regards. Dump your Spotify, ditch your Apple, all of that. Get rid of it. Delete it off your phone. Never look back. Go to newpodcastapps.com, strip naked, download yourself something that you're going to get all the chapters, the transcripts, the value streaming. All of that is right there at the tip of your fingers at nudepodcastapps.com. Indeed, you can send in uh, little Bitcoin payments. We call them boostograms. And with those boostograms, you can slaughter goats. You can uh, zap our gimp. You can uh, you can rack a line. You can put a goat back together again. You can bring <laughs> Jim Jones back from the dead. Mm-hmm. You can do so many things. Actually, we should really get a centralized list of all the things. But there's just start typing in numbers. I guarantee something will pop up, and uh, you'll get a GIF, of course, or an image for a lot of them in our chat room. Yeah, it's, the, uh, it's part of the fun. the The full list is actually over at liveislit.com. Um, Liveislit.com is the best list we got right now. Yep. And uh, well, the first one that we had uh, just now that you heard, that was for 16,680 sats from the NA Millennial. Uh, and he said, 556 five, by 30, freedom seeds, the only vote I need. Ammunition. 556 hmm. rounds. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Let freedom Ooh. reign. Spooky. <laughs> I, I like, oh, there we go. I like that. Fiverr boo. wanted to get a little goat. I like that boo. I like that. Uh, I like that uh, spooky together. It's a good combo. And uh, just now, sixty-six, sixty-six from Pfeiffer through Fountain. He said, "How do I shot Boostagram?" Hmm. You did it. Well, I was going to do this uh, for. For the uh, NA Millennial, so I'll throw you in on this one, Pfeiffer. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Shot him. Bang, bang. Come join me on my hill. Don't hold the baby by the open front door. <laughs> I just pulled a curry, by the way. Um, we had uh, 3333 from Servo out of Boost CLI. He said, boosting from Crontab sent at Monday, November 7th, 143301. Very cool. Yeah. Very legal. We got to figure Thank something you. out for the uh, 3333 um, IRC yes. cacophony. Yeah, we've been, we've been toying with that one for days. We got to lock that one in. Uh, the next bunch were all for the Battle of the Douchebags. I still got to go and uh, add those up together. But I believe the last, last one that we had was 17776 from Nam through Fountain. He said, fucking journos, man. <laughs> fucking journos, man. Thank you, Nam. Uh, I can't Namsky. confirm or disclose if there was a bet associated with this boost. Um, Nam was under the impression that he could get a, or excuse me, an account going on journo.host.com or journo.host, a new uh, Mastodon server set up for journalists. And uh, he unfortunately missed the window, as did the account that I was making up that was going to be Elon at journo.host. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. 
So yeah, he tried to uh, get signed up. I was like, oh, I'll bet you it's 17776 that you can't. And he couldn't. Uh-huh. He's, he's squaring up. Uh, but I think that, uh, that wraps us for all of the boostergrams for now. Dang. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for the boostage. Yeah, it's uh, it's super fun. It's I know it sounds like there's this huge barrier to enter, but if you ever signed up on MySpace, if you ever signed up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Zanga, yeah. Live Journal, uh, if you ever made it past the Discord captcha, you'll be okay. Yeah, the 4chan captcha. Mm. <laughs> maybe maybe got a little, maybe got a little something going. Yeah, <laughs> but. Give it a shot. Yeah, this is a value for value production, meaning that everything that we produce and present on the interwebs, we put up front absolutely free, and we hope that you enjoy it and that you value it. And if you do value it, please turn around, help us produce the show, whether it's through financial contributions, clips, artwork, ISOs, music, uh, story ideas, conversation, all of it helps create the show that you want to hear. And, uh, Indeed, it is a publicly supported program in the true in the true tradition of it, and uh, we through technology find alternative means to the typical uh, ways that you know the mainstream sort of goes about these days. Because there are other options out there, and you might as well utilize them because they exist. People work on them, so it's only the punk thing to do. Yeah, it's underground shit. Check it out. There's a lot of schemes out there, and for this, I'm disliked. Yes, 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 yes. You know nothing. Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore, and uh, end of story. Rolling out the MK Ultra song. It's great. Please leave. I need privacy. You'll never boost me alive, pigs. Six. Never. <laughs> never. You'll never take me alive, cover. Avast, bitch. And I started blasted. So anyways. So anyways. 612-263-7999. That phone number is 612-263-7999. It is by far the easiest way to help support this show. You can call in. You can leave us a scream mail, whether you want to scream, whether you want to tell us about your week, uh, whether you want to make uncomfortable advances. It's all there awaiting your arrival. We've seen it all, and we'd like to see yours as well. Boost the goat, boost the goat. No, 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 Got it. Did they ever tell okay, you it was going to be this easy in, in middle school? Only the Secretary of Defense <laughs> make it look this fucking easy. Yes, that was a very inside joke. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm very mm-hmm. sorry. Well, we only you have to check the back catalog for that one. 
We only have the one other voicemail, so I propose that we uh, we hang on to it. Very oh, show, showing them our cards. How how could you? Well, do you, we we can do it now. No, 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 no. Telling them we only you know. Oh that our, yes, that we're not wearing panties, and there's <laughs> only one. There could be so many more. Maybe there was just ten of them. There should be ten of them if you call us at six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Yeah, call us or the dog gets it. Yeah, that's right. Oh shit! I just uh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm gonna break this gun someday doing this. <laughs> I'm getting it all jammed up and shit. All cock and no blast. You know. You know what I'm saying? Um. Yeah, you're right. Let me. Uh, I can fix that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, the semi-automatic uh, 12-gauge. <laughs> Fire two blasts in the air. I like it. <laughs> well, um, I, that just leaves us at the die roll. Very well. I uh, I mean, I, I hate to jump, but I have literally just an eight-sided die in my hands right now. Ooh. But I have, I have others as well. No, let's do the eight-sided. I like it. All right. The diamond. The diamond die. And rolling for highest, lowest. Uh, highest goes uh, last. Highest goes last. See, I need the reverb. Highest goes last. I like that. I am the hype! (laughs) We should explore this further. (laughs) (laughs) Write that down. I I got... got, Oh, go ahead. After you, sir. I got a four. I got a three. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a a sham. (laughs) These die rolls are rigged. Damn, this fucking thing's broken. Fucking thing sucks. Yes. Well, I tonight have uh, an arrangement of articles, news articles, which I have been collecting now for a number of weeks. As well as perhaps a read, maybe in the future, from our favorite uh, encyclopedia of the supernatural. But... In the meantime, first of all, I've got a, I've seen some really incredible stuff coming through. There's been some crazy news, and if anybody watches the news, and Lord knows I hate the news because they just we what we talking about. They put they push the same narrative, they push the same thing. They get a phone call from somebody, you know, whoever the highest bidder is, whoever's paying them the most advertisement money, or worse. That's that's the best case scenario. Uh, and you never get to hear about all these really important things that are happening all over the world. Like, for example, uh, armpit crabs. Um, hmm. Yeah. Mm, say that one more time. Uh, armpit crabs. Yes. That's right. Yes. Have you heard of the armpit crabs? No. <laughs> well, I, this is something. I, I feel like I'm about to, though. <laughs> oh, you are. Today is the day. Unfortunately, this would be November seventh, twenty twenty-two. 
currently 8.15 in the Pacific Coast, you're about to learn about armpit crabs. Now, if anyone isn't familiar with crabs, crabs are, is, a, is a sexually transmitted disease. It is um, uh, genital lice. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Where's my pen? All right. Okay, good. Just so everybody has a nice image going here. Um, and it turns out that, you know, where there are crabs, there, typ- there typically is sexual activity. Seeing, seeing as how it's a sexually transmitted disease. There has been uh, some rumor going around that at Brigham Young University, where uh, which is a big, it's the biggest Mormon institution of higher learning in the land, in the world. And um, apparently these Mormons, who are well known to have all sorts of, how do you say, loopholes, or engaging in sexual activity, despite the fact that their prophet has explicitly told them, instructed them not to do so, not to do anything dirty until they are well and married. Um, but you know they have workarounds. They have ways that they find that they can they can engage in these activities. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it turns out that armpits. Crabs, armpits. Mmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Something tells me I have a feeling where this is going. If you thought TikTok, you were right. <laughs> Not quite, but I can see the parallels. <laughs> you can't be that surprised by it. Uh, TikTok, of course, is a hive of scum and villainy, degeneracy, and uh, everything unsound. Yes. And also some pretty good little, you know, workout videos and stuff like that. But other than that, <laughs> uh, of course, this is sort of coming from TikTok. And that's where, the, that's where the youth are. That's where all the college kids are. They're all using TikTok. And especially the Mormons, I suppose. Don't ask me. I don't know. I don't know why. But uh, according to this Rolling Stone article, which was written by Andrea Marx on October 26th of 2022, which was less than about two-ish weeks ago, according to her, she says, or him, a rumor began circulating over the weekend that there'd been an outbreak of crabs at Brigham Young University. Though completely unverified, the claim, uh, which circulates every now and again, is that undergrads are catching the STI in their armpits. Uh, the implication is that the majority of Mormon student population is using an intercourse workaround, possibly known as what do you think they just what do you think they call this uh, sexual move? Hmm. The turnpike chokehold. The turnpike chokehold. I was going to say the mosh pit or something. But, oh uh, yeah. All right. No, it's it's known as bag piping. Bag, uh, give me a second. Is that bagpiping with two P's or one? <laughs> oh, just one P. Trust me. If it was two, it'd get very weird. <laughs> uh, bagpiping, that's B-A-G hyphen piping. I think Surfa wins, though, with the pit slit. <laughs> pit slit. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to yes. do this off the air. 
Oh, what's up, Malachi? Malachi's hanging out in the green room. Yeah, wow. what up, dude? What up, my dude? Uh, yes, bagpiping. It's just so everybody at home now knows. It's when a partner pumps the phallus into the armpit of another, uh, thus simulating typical coitus. Um. And members, <laughs> members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, which includes 99% of BYU, 99% of BYU is Mormon. That's it. Uh, it follows a strict set of ethical rules, rules, including abstaining from sex until marriage, no swearing, dressing modestly, no masturbation, no drugs, no tobacco, no alcohol, no coffee, no tea, no caffeinated soda, no beards, no long hair. Uh, it sounds like fun, doesn't it? Only because I bet the really sub- subversive side is super subversive. Yeah. The black market there just must be unruly. Yeah. Yes. And and they, they must party harder than anybody. I mean, certain, I'm not saying all of them, I'm just saying this, there must be a certain subsection. I don't know how big or small. That just must go absolutely apeshit in the face of this this forced uh, abstination. The uh, actually, I worked with a guy for a number of years uh, who was out of Nevada and grew up Mormon, but um, he would often refer to himself as a Jack Mormon. A Jack Mormon. What is a Jack Mormon? Uh, so Jack Mormons are kind of the, uh, the, the looser Mormons. Um, not so, they're, so they're observant. not, yeah, interesting. They're not following the rules per se. They're not, uh, baptized members of the, uh, church of Latter-day Saints. Mm, so they're drinking a uh, soda on Sunday. <laughs> Among other things. I see. Well, a Jack Mormon. Oh, a Mormon. The J- oh, I get it. All right. Now I see what they're doing. They're being clever. I guess. Well, for the orthodox ones, for the ones that are go hard, this apparently this these armpit crabs uh, are allegedly a real thing, an outbreak. But they've done other things in the past. Uh, certain things called uh, they call it parking or soaking. Have you heard of this? Have you have you heard of this? Have you seen this? No. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to learn a lot tonight. You're gonna learn so much, <laughs> and I don't—I didn't even bring any clips. I'm just gonna tell you what it is because it's just so bizarre. Uh, and the, the only person that, that I would recommend it, is to listen to Lavish on the Behind the Schemes podcast. I never expected this from that podcast, but I learned something listening to it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was so nice hanging out with him yesterday. No doubt, dude. He got ripped torn, man. I was so <laughs> stoked. I was so proud of him. <laughs> Just like fuck yeah, just crushed a half a whiskey right there, ready to rock. I love it. I loved it. This was so much fun yesterday. Oh my god! Shout out to Sir Bemrose. Um, yeah, everybody who talks about this is ex Mormon or Mormon, and they're so weird talking about it. It's so like the like the action itself. There's a lot of like workarounds with the language talking about it. It's very funny, uh, but soaking is a classic old Mormon trick where you put it in just normal. It's just normal sex, nor, normal lovemaking. 
Uh, except you don't move. You just put it in and you just stay there. Is that kind of like falling asleep inside of somebody? Uh, Yeah, it's like that, except you're awake. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't this? Yeah. So this is all, by the way, totally kosher. You know, it's totally <laughs> legit. Approved by Jesus. It's Jesus seal of approval. Uh, good to go on the on the golden plates. All fucking legit. Very legal and very cool. Time to celebrate Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, just shout out to everybody over BYU. Don't be catching crabs. Look at look at other, you know. And then, of course, they're going into all kinds of crazy claims, like there's armpit chlamydia now, which I think is ridiculous. You know, uh, what, they, you know what they should have done? I mean, a lot of things, but what do you think that they should do? They probably should have put a mask on. Oh, mask up. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It's anonymous that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all walk into a room with masks on. We don't know who we, what we, each other look like, you know? <laughs> Start doing stuff. Oh, God. Absolute Bachian madness. Uh, anyway, BYU t- says that, you know, they, they're working on strategies for trying to eradicate those pesky armpit crabs. Uh, some say, and then some say that it's all a hoax, but you know, come on, come on, BYU. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> can't pull, can't pull a fast one on this old dog. No, no, no. We know what it is you're doing over there in Utah. You guys are fucking, you know, the difference, be- you know, be- you know, the difference between me and that armpit lice. <laughs> I wasn't born yesterday, buddy. <laughs> Yes. Put that on your gravestone. <laughs> I think I might. Save that one. Save that one. Um, good. Well, that's uh, that's one article down. So that's the Holy Crabs article uh, about the BYU armpit crabs, the Mormon crabs. Uh, another thing, that interesting thing that happened uh, recently. I don't know. if you, Have you seen this? Have you heard this? Uh, former Chinese leader Hu Jintao was thrown out of Congress in front of everybody by Xi Jinping being thrown out uh, very publicly, and then the footage was leaked to the West. So that's how you know that they really wanted this to be seen because nothing comes out of China unless they let it, mm. unless they let it out. And then if anything does legitimately come out of China, you better save it because it'll be fucking taken down eventually. Oh, um, you just gave me an idea for some show art. We should do some primo top shelf people dropping down in the streets, like beginning of 2020 out of China. We should do those ooh. videos. Yeah. 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 Cause we never do COVID stuff, but w- that would be legit though. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while we do like the, like the big uh, truckload of bodies with the guy smoking on top. Oh, and then we did have the plastic shield art. Yep, and the plastic shield art. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's been it's, a, you it's know, viral, you know. Yeah, it's it's the content that counts. That's right. If it's funny, it bleeds. Wait. Yeah. Yes. That's what they said in in kung fu class. Um, what are you saying? F- I'm not even Chinese. 
China's former top leader, Hu Jintao, who, by the way, is Chinese, Heyo, um, who was the freaking leader of the Communist Party, the general secretary, as the communists say, of the Chinese Communist Party from 2002 to 2012, and uh, effectively Xi's predecessor, and the sec- one of the most powerful men in China, was very publicly dragged out, uh, 79 years old. And the footage has been everywhere. It's been hilarious. You know, Xi's just kind of sitting there, and he's he's smiling, and he's just kind of like waiting. And this guy's like, "I'm not going anywhere." And the security's like, "Yes, you are." It was. It's all very polite, back and forth. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And they do it for five full minutes, and then finally he kind of shuffles out. And the whole time she's like looking around, like, oh, "I wonder what am I what am I gonna have for dinner today?" Doop 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 doop. Just fucking consolidating my power over one of the world's superpowers. Oh, I wonder where my pots of honey are. <laughs> well, that's, uh-huh. oh, that's, that's Mickey. Oh, oh God. Yeah. That's, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was just mind a, control. Creating just, a chimera. Chimera <laughs> of the mind. Ugh, that was pure brainwashing just there. I like it. I want it. Um... Yeah, so who was seated right there at the front of the Great Hall of People? That's what they call this building where they hold their parliament or their congress. The Great Hall of People in Beijing. Um, I mean, it's okay. Great Hall. Uh, I think it could use some work. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking, you know, you guys... There's a billion of you. One of you's got a better idea than that. One of you somewhere. How Hope about right how about one. Great Hall of Fire? Like Great Great yeah. Hall of China? <laughs> Goodness gracious, Great Halls of China. <laughs> yes. The Great Hall of that's that's I think is we're working they should hire us. You Xi watch Jinping. my credit you watch my credit and you rattle my chains. <laughs> keep Mongolians from going insane. You broke my uh, wheel. Oh, what a thrill. Goodness gracious. Great holes of China. <laughs> oh, yeah. No ads, because otherwise we'd be out of here. Cut us off. China would call us right now. Hello, this is China. You're done. Mm. Yeah. Good thing I don't have the telephone plugged in. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Checkmate, China. Check fucking mate. Uh, what else happened? Well, let's see. Uh, we had David Icke, who oh, is famous yeah. uh, from being on Abs in a Six-Pack with Sir Sir Seat Sitter. And the only reason why he's famous. Just kidding. He's a, a high-profile conspiracy theorist, as Vice World News calls him. Vice, those liberal bitches. Uh, he's, a, you know, an alternative journalist and has been around for quite some time, probably 20-plus years. 25, 26 years of being a staple and an icon in the alternative journalism sector, I guess is what you call it. Um, but others would call it a conspiracy sort of thing. And he, he peddles in plenty of that, sure. But he's been right about a lot of stuff, too. He's not as famous as Alex Jones is, but he's definitely been around as long as he has. And he has been banned in... Uh, He's now up to 26 European countries that will not allow him in to the country. 
yeah, latest one I, being the Netherlands. I saw this, and it's uh, it's <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, the UN, I guess, or I don't know, whoever, but they they do it purely based on what he does and what he talks about. It has everything to do with. Uh, just his his rhetoric, and it has nothing to do with any action that he's ever d- never done. He's never hurt anybody. He's never well. If directly you, if you break it violence. down even further, this is about the way that he slaps his vocal cords together. Okay. Yeah, I guess at a very stuff, basic but, level. Yeah, but like at the rudimentary core of it all, this guy slaps his cords together in ways that I don't necessarily appreciate. So no, you're not coming into my fucking country. Fuck you. Fuck your face. Fuck the face that your horse rode in on. Yeah. That's yeah. what they said. Yeah. It's a good old, good old Dave Ike. I, I, think that, I think that's asking an authentic, questions. I think that's an authentic Dutch quote, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. it's. I believe it goes, Shabirgen to Birgen, Shabirgen to Birgen. Yes. <laughs> that was flawless Dutch, by the way. Uh, lavish the Chameleon. Adam Curry, call me. Spiergen, Lergen, Mirgen. Yeah, so this guy, I guess, these all these royals, you know what it really is? Is all these European royals are sick and tired of being called lizards. And this guy is so, they, they perceive him as the guy, the reason why people call them lizards. They're like, why? How do people know that? How do you know that we're lizards? How did you find that out? Fuck you. You're not allowed in the European country anymore. You mm. gotta go, buddy. You're, you're spilling too many beans here. Yeah. And then they're like... <laughs> and they suck out the, fry, the, the fly's brains. Mm. And just, you know, Lizard people. It's like caviar to them. Mm. <laughs> God. Lizard people caviar coming soon to a shelf near you. Yeah, lizard caviar. Just Lizards the, really talk this way. Go to a butterfly atrium. You'll find it there. Uh, yeah, poor old David Ike. Just getting the old European. There's a really awful quote that really hasn't aged well from uh, whatever that new show was with uh, Jeff Daniels, where he makes the big speech about how f- free America isn't. And he, and he quotes all these other countries that are way more free than America, and a bunch of them are European countries and, oh, yeah. and Canada. Yeah, I know the clip that you're talking about. I remember having a big old chubby for that one back in my younger youth. Back in the day, it was badass. Now it's just Pathetic. not true. <laughs> it's, just, it's just fucking wrong. You're like, he's like, in all these other countries that are way more free, like New Zealand and Canada and France. <laughs> And, and you're like, wrong, oh, wrong, oh, wrong. In the business, they call that drivel. <laughs> Just straight up incorrect. Those are fucking full-on monarchical, tyrannical governments with no fucking representation from the, the general populace. They're still operating as modern feudal societies, 100%. And we are only one half step above that mm-hmm. ourselves. We we live in this some weird fucking capitalist monarchy type of thing, but anyway, and then of course it all ties back to the to the big boys, but that's not what this episode's about. 
We're it's not talking kinda, about the, like the black hand today. Monarchy and corporatism had a weird yeah. like cousin sister baby. It's it's our era's version of a monarchy. It's a modern monarchy. As opposed to being a literal modern monarchy, which is what they got going over in fucking Europe. Just like these old wealthy fucking families that still run and own everything. And uh, have financed the the fucking world and are in the pockets of these people. And this just this the unilaterality and the the ubiquitousness of of thought and of um ideology, how all these Europeans are in lockstep together at the highest levels. That's how you know. And everybody kind of scrambles to fucking justify all this, but it's because there's a, you know, a small group of people that have the list. And guess what? You ain't on the list. <laughs> I don't see your name on here, buddy. Mm, on the list. Yeah. That's the other. We got to watch uh, Eyes Wide Shut eventually because we, we have to watch the party, of course. I then to- you have to see you know, <laughs> what I had to look so far down the list. I was smelling the shit on the ground by your name. <laughs> Sorry, sir. We run out of the paper. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, you like that? <laughs> yeah. I love it when I catch booby off guard. <laughs> um, uh, th- there's one part of that movie where he, he, he gets sniffed out. You shouldn't be here. And the way they, I don't know. It's awesome. We got to watch the movie. Um, so anyway, David Icke, you shouldn't be here. You got to go. And I thought that was more fucking ridiculous tyranny and bullshit. Also, and this isn't new so much. This is just something that I learned about. Uh, did you know that literal children in 1212 attempted to retake Jerusalem in a, in a mighty and holy crusade? In 1212? In 1212 AD. Wow. In France. Holy shit. That's right. And Literal fucking children. How bad did they get slaughtered? Oh, badly. Badly. Uh, this is my one clip. Uh, if you could play my one clip. The popular recounting of the Children's Crusade is as such. In the spring of the year 1212, a young shepherd named Stefan is watching his flock in the French countryside. Alone during the night, he is approached by a man who begs him for food and shelter. After he feeds the wanderer, the man reveals himself to be Jesus Christ and asks the boy to give a letter to the French king. The boy <laughs> travels to Saint-Denis, preaching on his way, and gathers a large crowd of young boys and girls. Once at Saint-Denis, he delivers the letter to the king and implores him to take the cross. Children from France and Germany flock to the prophet, who declares that they would march to the Holy Land without wetting their feet and topple the local Muslim kingdoms by converting the population to Christianity. Stay safe with Jesus. The following, numbering in the tens of thousands, heeds the call for a crusade and travels south towards the Mediterranean Sea until they reach the port of Marseille. Here, the prophecy that the sea would split at their presence does not occur, so many return home while others wait. Uh-oh. <laughs> and they wait, and they wait, and it doesn't 
And so they continue on over the, the, it's a mountain range. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Alps Mm. and uh, they're really big and they have this really incredible history of actually stopping all kinds of people from going places that are on the other side of them. And um, huge, huge mountains, huge mountains, the biggest, maybe (laughs) ever the biggest range. I'm telling you within, I've been around for 4 billion years. I've never seen mountains bigger. In the apps, okay. Look at the absolute tips on these mountains. <laughs> They're my tips. These are my tips. I knew Richard Alps. He gave me these tips. Yeah, plant, plant, a, plant a flag on these tips. They're the greatest ever. Yes. And, uh, you know, as, as Michael Jordan once famously said, uh, fuck them kids. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. It's only 14 dead kids. The Alps were like, nah. And uh, all these people got exhausted and hungry. And uh, when they got to the other side, who the few that were left got to the other side. Uh, the Italians didn't know their language and were like, get out of here. We're Italian. You know, get out of here. Uh, it's, it's a long walk to Jerusalem from France. I don't know if you knew that. Hmm. I don't know if you have the number nearby, but I would guess 1,700 miles. You know what? You know what? Let's find out. Let's find out right now how, how long it takes to walk from Paris, France to Jerusalem. Uh, because we, we got to know. We got to know. Now, with a car... Which I know isn't ultimately what we want. Oh, it's taking a little while. See, it's even the computer's taking a long time. Looking at this, it's like the entire length of the known world. Uh, if, if we were driving, it would be 2,867 miles. Yeah, so 4,193 kilometers. Uh, Walking-wise, according to this, it would take 807 hours. Hmm. Yep. 807 hours. So we would have to get through Switzerland, cut down through Croatia and Bosnia, uh, cut a left into Bulgaria, stop through Istanbul, um, swing around through Turkey, down. Uh, we could we could do like a breather in Cyprus if you would like. Yeah, we'd have to do that. Uh, hang out in Cyprus. Definitely spend a couple of days in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. A couple of days in Serbia, a couple of days in Slovenia, Croatia, Austria, a couple of days in Munich. And uh, yeah, it should all work out. Yeah. And then there's Jerus- Jerus- yeah, Jerusalem. Uh, we could also go by boat. That could be fun. You could go by boat. That would be fancy. Fancy smancy of us. Yeah. Uh, if you walked all day, 24 day, for 24 hours a day, it would take you how many days to get there? 33. Oh, shit. (laughs) 33.625 to be exact, but 33 days. Just so you know. Just so you know. Uh, Quite the trick. But uh, alas, they didn't make it. And uh, now historians doubt if it actually even really happened. There are reports that this guy at one point had like 30,000 people, but fucking Washington had you know twelve thousand at most thirteen thousand when he was doing his thing so 
I don't know about that one, but um, it, it still lives on in infamy. The Children's Crusade of 1212, as it is now known. A well, misguided disaster. It begs the question, why would you fabricate a story like that? I don't know. Maybe because Christians are bored. You know, maybe they don't. Maybe they're just making stuff up, making stories up about kid crusades and, and heroes, and fucking and fucking all sorts of lewd stuff tonight. Just whatever, yeah. You know, it's it's a freaky world out there. I think that's the basic theme of all of these articles that I've drawn tonight. Is that it is it is wacky tacky out there. You got to expect read the Bible. These are Discord notes and our otherwise matter-of-fact lives, people. Uh, <laughs> These are yeah. the discordant notes of our lives. These are the notes of our... I don't know if you ever watched uh, soap operas before or not. Only telenovelas. I only watch soap operas if they're in Spanish. Mm. I can't stand the American ones. But, you know, I... I I understand that a lot of people do like them, so n- nothing against them or anything like that. Nothing against them at all. You know, they got their time and place. Oh, yeah. With the grandparents at the DMV. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then at the Taqueria. You're just crushing telenovelas at the Taqueria all day long. Carlos, mi corazón. No. Um, yeah. Aside from the articles... I um, I suppose I, I was planning on reading a, an article of cats from the uh, from the Man Myth and Magic, but I feel like I've probably uh, I've taken enough time up here in the first first half of show. Uh, maybe if uh, maybe a little later, if we do a sign off, we want to do something, we can do that, or we can save you know whenever. Alrighty then, let me check on the screen mails. Um, oh, don't close my tabs. Almost did the thing. Yeah, 612-263-7999. Is that telephone number that you're going to want to call? Because then you'll sound like this caller. Behind the schemes oh, with man. lavish and boot oh, my band of the blood red boom. Oh, yeah. So, uh, scream. I think of something. I don't know what I think they're really scream about, you know? I mean, I guess kind of throwing off like the 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 light change and whatnot, you know. With well, depending on I guess where you are, but uh, here in that FEMA region nine, um, you know, we, in California, IA, we we got the we got the time change, which I actually enjoy. You know, it's kind of like just kind of throws everybody off a little bit, just enough to like just kind of tweak everybody just a little bit, but when we all got a deal. Um, but, like, when work starts, you know, like, I've been getting to work like 5.30 last few days, so, I mean, like, it getting light a little, a little earlier doesn't really matter to me. I'd rather light a little later, because, you know, then I'm, I left today and was pretty much just running in dust slash dark. But whatever, you know, not a big deal. But, you know, some people, they're just like, ah! Um, but, uh, you know, like... But, you know, real big deal. Like, you know, you look at your phone, phone automatically changes. You didn't have to set it the night before. You know, you got to change the oven, the microwave, that little stuff, maybe the car, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, but, you know, not a big deal. So, uh, yeah, 
hope you guys are having a wonderful night. I'm sure you are, you know. Um, you too, man. All those goats and whatnot, R.I.P., but yeah. for a better cause, I guess, right? I mean. That's right. You got, you could be selling them to, like, restaurants and whatnot. I feel like that'd be some good money, you know. We may. Uh, like a few of them. But, anywho. All right. We, I love the guys. And remember, I mean, you already do. You know, you're slaughtering goats. Stay dangerous, but, you know. Make sure those blades stay sharp, because you don't want nothing dull, because you don't want to hurt yourself, you know. And uh, whether you're slaughtering goats or you're looking at that blood red moon or something that's supposed to happen, depending on, you know, whether or not you can concede or not, tonight, that's a different story. But, uh, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, or if you just got home and you're going to go eat, but whatever, remember to say, Kakaa caller. Comrade Christopher Battles, everybody. Yes, thank you for calling, Sir Christopher Battles. And he also brings up an excellent point about the moon. Tomorrow shall be a full moon. The beaver moon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Woo. Oh, nice my beaver goodness. moon. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't uh, I don't know if you can say that. I don't know. I know. Uh, um, um, you know, we'll bleep it out. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I can. Uh, we had another one and it's our only one and I'm going to go ahead and play it now. So you got a call during intermission. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or that dog is going down. And if you want to kill a goat, you know, six, 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 sets. six, 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 six. We will slice that thing up like bread. Mmm. <laughs> Saw it with a bread knife. <laughs> Sliced goat for you. Oh, my goodness. Let's uh, see what this next caller's got to say. Hey, beast gentlemen. What up? Uh, Yo. Hope everyone out there listening to this podcast, whether it be live or some point in the future, is having a great day. I do want to send a special thanks to all the freaks of hazards out there that have been slaughtering goats the past couple of weeks. The uh, You've got plenty of goat blood now for this uh, goat blood lager I'm going to be brewing here at the brewery. Yeah. Hell as yeah. opposed to myself giving a uh, scream. Uh, I thought I would go ahead and let one of the fermenters that we're going to be putting beer into tomorrow scream for you instead. So... I don't know how this is going to come out. Maybe for a warning, cover your ears. Let's see how a phone microphone picks up a 300-barrel fermenter at 11 PSI. Screaming. Oh my god. Okay. What power. That was fascinating. Hope everyone's ear holes are okay. <laughs> In the meantime, Lyron out. Mm. Yeah. Ear piercing. Mm. He made a giant like piece of equipment make that noise and then he himself made an even crazier noise than the equipment. He's Both. a noise machine, man. 
12 PSI. Yes. Well, six one two caller. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. He's over mm-hmm. at Spook.social. So why aren't you over there? Spook.social, he's listening from, from the, the future. future. <laughs> um so we uh we pulled a tape out of the vault for tonight. And this uh I, Mama Berry actually picked this number. Uh, we're going all the way back uh. to Episode 52 for tonight's intermission. I don't remember what's on this one. I well, the, the label's gotten, I don't know, looks kind of like it got wet or something. <laughs> wet booberry. Well. <laughs> well. <laughs> you blow that dust off and <laughs> pop it in. All right, here we go. We'll be right back. After this brief intermission for second, second half of show.
Beautiful buildings, right? Look at all the that classic architecture, that good. And then you got that eyesore. Um, that eyesore is the African American History Museum. Is it? If you're wondering what we're doing here in these barbecue outfits, well, it's easy. We're going in after another world life force from another galaxy that has a self-defense mechanism that we don't understand. It's intangible to this time and space. It's actually from the theory of relativity and from the theory of quantum mechanics. Take those properties and equalize them, and you have the quantum theory of gravity, which is the discussion of how this universe started and how it will end. The predator knows that information already. It is our job and our objective to go capture the predator, sit him down, have a talk with him, find out why he does what he does, how he does what he does, and where he gets the weaponry and the defense mechanisms he uses in order to obtain his goal. And that is our goal. If we don't achieve that goal, we will be turned into vapor clouds made of small pink particles known on Earth as blood. Calling the Mach 5, come in, Speed. Trixie calling the Mach 5. I'm in the middle of a race, Trixie. Don't talk to me now. Can't you wait till it's over? Speed, listen to me. Eloise's brother half has got to win. Please let him. Why should I let him win? I'm out to win myself. Now sign off and don't bother me. But Hap must win so that he can pay for the doctors to make his sister well. And besides, Hap would then be hired to manage a big car factory. That would solve all their money problems. Please let him win, Speed. It doesn't matter to me what his reasons are for wanting to win. I wouldn't be playing fair if I let him win the race on purpose. But Speed! I'll see you when the race is over, Trixie. But Eloise is ill. They must have some money. Please let him win, Speed. Speed! Speed! Speed!
certain that this country rode the first waves of the metal revolution. Crazy, but that's how it goes. Oh. Millions of people living their own war. Maybe it's not too late. The words of the song never get on the page. Metal won't got me played by the end of change. Going off their rails, on my crazy train. I'm going off their rails, on my crazy train. Satisfying. I ain't ever gonna be denied. Stick around until you're watching the store, yeah. Give me one, I wanna give you more, yeah. So it's do well, yeah. I'm gonna love my baby, see my blood, yeah. Baby, I could satisfy you. I ain't ever gonna need an idea. Just around and tell you what's in store, yeah. Now return to Behind the Schemes. 
starring Booberry, Berry, 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 and Lavish, 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 Lavish. Welcome back to second, second half of Behind the Schemes, episode 125. It is still the 7th of November. But only for the time being. And it's it's reassuring to know that uh, <laughs> our taste in music has only aged like fine wine. Yeah, it was pretty funky. I, I liked, like it. Uh, and then uh, we had a little Dale Dale Gribble in there doing us a little Blue Moon. Oh, wait, it wasn't Dale. That was uh, Boom Boomhauer that did that one. Mm, and then uh, the Speed Dickhead. <laughs> yeah, you're asking a man named Speed to throw away a race? Come on, man. Come on. It happened. Come on. Who do you think you are, Trixie? Come yeah, on. Come come on. Uh, Trixie. Yeah, and Cotton Gin's right. Uh, over on the East Coast, it's now midnight in their sewer, which means it's now November the 8th, which means it's now voting day. <gasps> well. That's right. The midterms are upon us. I don't, uh, I don't think I have the Hillary Clinton, but I got... It's like Pokemon. That's about all yeah. I can do. Yeah, Pokemon, go to the polls and vote in your local, uh, your local elections because that's where you actually have power. It's kind of funny. I, I was just telling Booberry the other day, like we live in a world where, yeah, sure, they walked into a maximum security prison and they murdered Epstein, and uh, but yeah, voting matters. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get a chance to to do it yet, but I took a picture of the voter registration cards I've been getting. And I was mm-hmm. going to do the classic, stop sending me this shit meme. <laughs> stop Stop this. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe every year it just gets worse, but I feel like this year was particularly bombarded with texts. I got a couple of texts, yeah. I'm definitely ready for the the all of the Adderalls to go away. Ugh. Yes, the Adderalls. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, anyway. It, you're right, it is episode 125 of uh, Behind the Schemes, and for a second, second half of show, we typically like to kick it off by thanking our producers, and if you contributed to us in a financial way, well, that makes you a special producer, it makes you a freak of hazard, and anybody who contributes to the show, either financially or in any substantial way, gets a nice little shout out from us, as we are a value for value production, which means we don't have ads, we don't have uh, reads of any kind, we just like to thank the people that support us. Mm-hmm. And we had a whole slew of monthly donations all drop in the same week uh, from KS, uh, from Sir Cross Stitch, and from Coffee. Uh, their donations of $5, $5.33, and $3.33 all landed. Mm, well, thank you, KS and Sir Cross Stitch and Coffee. Yeah, we really uh, appreciate the uh, monthly donations. It's the type of stuff that we're putting towards the spook.social. Uh, some of the AI art generators. Mm. Mm-hmm. Getting new goats. Yeah, all of it. Uh, those monthlies, they really, really do help. So we appreciate that. Oh, Indeed we do. God bless all this money. And then we had Bear and Giant getting a little Satan-y with us with his PayPal donation of $6.66. 666? What could it mean, man? What could it mean? I wonder what he meant by this. Is it some sort of code? <laughs> Thank you, Bear and Giant. Appreciate it very much. Yes. Coming through a lot lately. We we really appreciate you. We see you. And job bless to you. Boo! Spooky. 
And that boost was from Pfeiffer through Fountain for the 6666, getting himself a little goat action. Get Reverend Dr. Love. Hell yeah. Um, Ripping it. Ripping it, Pfeiffer. uh, Ned's been watching a little bit of Inside Job. He sent over this ISO. I'm Mr. Mothman. I'm a Mothman. There it is. Yeah, I do, um... I do have... I thought I had some funny, like, I'm the captain now. I'll I'll look for him. It was a pretty good show. You know, I I enjoyed moments of it. Inside Job was one of those um, forms of entertainment where they just gotta throw in every (laughs) Easter egg in the conspiracy realm and call it entertainment. So some of it was kind of funny. Some of it just kind of fell flat on its face. Yeah, that seems to be the case with a lot of these uh, type of conspiracy type of satire shows. They're just a little too cheesy. Mm. They go for the low-hanging fruit every time. That that show is where I got this from. Smoke this PCP. Which led to... (laughs) Smoke this PCP. Um, <laughs> well, we can thank him for that at least. I mean, goodness gracious! <laughs> no doubt. Anything for a cold acid ISO, please. Ah, <laughs> uh, here it is. Here it is. I found the uh, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm the Mothman now. <laughs> ooh woo. Ooh woo. So I, hope uh, you, I, I do hope you enjoy the show, Ned. Ned, uh, let us know what you think. Um. And then uh, last, but certainly, well, oh no, not last oh, at all. Shit. oh shit, not last oh at all. shit, oh shit, thick stacks, thick stacks. We got we got a lot of freaks coming through today. Yeah, uh, oh my goodness, bags. The madman himself took an idea that we presented him with, which was redoing the original Castlevania One NES box art. Up mm-hmm. in true BTS fashion and goodness. Oh yes. We're very pleased with the result. Bags is an incredibly talented individual. And goodness gracious, it's always a, a treat to 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 receive some value from that gentleman. Uh yeah, the Castlevania art, a giant towering mothman over the, the Castlevania itself, and uh the rock and roll killer clown with uh the whip. And the and a short sword and a little uh you know a little cake action in the back too mm. if I may say so myself. This might be the most cheesecake piece of art that we have. And it's glorious. Yeah, gals down there eyeing up. <laughs> this is a fine dish with all of the right ingredients. Yes, uh, this will do. Yes. Thank you so much, Bags. Appreciate your your courage and your talent, sir. Yeah, and I actually uh I I asked him to isolate the banner. And the website up top. And uh, it looks super, super duper sharp. No, I'll uh, bet. As a, like a header image. Yeah. Yeah, this is this little title, this header is awesome. Yeah, I'll dig yeah. that up out of my uh, show folder. And, we uh, shall succulently add that to, to things in the future, I would imagine. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Nice. Yes. Thank you so much, Bags. Um, I just it <laughs> brings such joy to this little <laughs> itty bitty heart of mine. 
Yes, yes. Uh, you can find bags at Bags Draws on Instagram, Instagram.com uh, slash Bags Draws, and Bags is in like a brown bag. Bags Draws, and you can also go and find them at Bags at PodcastIndex.social. Yes, give him some loving. Yeah, he does yeah. all sorts of art for uh, OBDM, and uh, there's a new one coming out: Conspiracy Theater 3000, uh, mm-hmm. Abs in a Six Pack. Uh, no shortage of shows that he's done artwork for. He's making the world a beautiful place, one podcast at a time. Thank you, Bags. And then uh, tell us a little bit of uh, what's going on with your side. Oh, boy. So last week, you got a super cool package from Mary-Kate Ultra and Make Heroism. I finally got my sweet package. Actually, finally, it came like the day after the episode so there's only one day off so i've been sitting on it all week but it's it's fantastic mary kate ultra and make heroism uh wonderful producers you may know them from our phone line jingle they sent me a really sweet package they sent me a movie poster a beautiful movie poster of the creeping unknown which uh was released in the united uh, i'm sorry in england it's a 1955 british science fiction horror film uh, that in England is called the Quatermass Experiment, but in the United States it's known as the Creeping Unknown, starring Brian Dunleavy and Jack Warner, among others. And it's a fantastic poster, and it's gorgeous. And uh, if you want to see this, of course, all the stuff that we're talking about, you can find it at zososcorner.substack.com, episode 125, which is what we're on. And on top of that, they sent me this lovely note. They sent me some other stuff, too, and, and I'll, I'll list it off here because it's all listed in the note. Uh, it says, Lavish, happy, spooky, freaking ween. Needed to send our boys a haunting ghoul-a-day package. Uh, boobs got one, too, with more info. And then he wrote, we just sat, and he was about to go into a story, and then he crosses it out, and he goes, never mind, LOL. I must go now as UPS man will yell at me. Um, <laughs> it's a very genuine letter. And I appreciate it very much. It's, it's authentic. It's real. I really, it's whole, I'm holding the paper in my hand right now. Ooh, shake it. Oh, yeah. You like that? Yeah. Uh, scary package contains uh, $31 for 31 days of Halloween, a poster, the poster aforementioned, uh, 3D glasses. I got a nice set of those. I got three behind the scheme stickers that were uh, original designs. By Mary Kate Ultra and Make Heroism, as well as three BTS stickers of our girl with the uh, with the shades on, and I also got two great koozies, and everybody can use a, a koozie. Uh, if you don't have a koozie, you're 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 living an amateur hour there. Your hands getting cold and your beer's getting warm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. For all the way from the Breath Coast, Scary Lavish uh, wishes, make, wishes Make Heroism and Mary Kate Ultra a hearty job bless. Thank you so much. The poster is going up immediately, and all these stickers will be put to good use. And I would just, like, well I would just like to point out that we now have matching koozies. Uh, I see you uh, have one that says, uh, meet me at the piss party. Nice and lubed up with everyone's piss from the entire evening. Mm. That's right. We're getting passed. Um, absolutely pest. We're getting absolutely pest. This it's a teddy bear holding an umbrella. Meet me at the piss party, and then the other one uh, is like an art of art type of thing. No, it's like a 
I don't know. What is that? Uh, the name of it's it escapes me. It's a, it's a possum. It's a possum. It's a possum. It's an awesome possum. And it's and it's holding a big hearty four pack and it says, Let's get wasted. Piss. Uh, I like it. Let's get pissed. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. Yes. I love that poster. That's so fucking cool. It's a good one. It's it's delicious. Uh the 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 plot of the movie is as such. It's about three astronauts. They're lot they're launched into space. In a single stage to orbit rocket, but it crash lands, and only one of them, one of the astronauts survives, and he begins mutating into an alien organism, which, if it spawns, will engulf the Earth and destroy humanity. And it's up to a couple other uh, s- rocket scientists to track him down and kill it before that happens. Wow. Sounds good. Sounds fun. Very, very legal, man. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is all the, the sorts of things that uh help drive us forward uh all together into a distant unknown future. Yes, into the macabre engine. This is all beautiful black oozing fuel. Mm. For what is to come. <laughs> um yeah, and if you want to help support the show, head on over to BehindTheSchemes.com, S-C-H-3-M-3-S, and uh, you can find all of our links and required material there. Uh, you can also email us, boo, at BehindTheSchemes.com, or lavish at BehindTheSchemes.com. Yes, and it should be uh, noted, again, you already said it, but I'll just say it again, that the, the E's and schemes are threes. So if you just type in Behind the Schemes by itself, we might not pop in, so put the threes in schemes. And you'll get there. It's kind of like a, a code. It works every time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's the secret every code. Secret code, yeah. Or loveislit.com. Whatever's easier. Yeah. Whatever is easier. Um, You know, I got to thinking something I haven't done in a long, long time. And uh, I think I'm going to bring it back just for tonight. But you remember how we used to do a little bit of, like, donation karma? Or yeah. uh, what would you call it? Um, it's like donation karma. Yeah, donation karma. That's <laughs> that's that's the one. Um, yeah, thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Oh, money, money, money! God, I need to get into the garden so I can start making the money. That's where you make the money. We told you who was behind the schemes, but you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a scream mail. We'll play it on the show. 612-263-6. 612-263-SXXY. That's 612 yeah, give us a call, leave a scream mail, because we don't have nothing. Oh, we I'm sure we do. I'm sure someone out there's got one for us. 612-263-7999. Let us know how your your Chile Monday is going. Yes. And or text us. Yeah, you can always text us. I should actually check and make sure I didn't miss none and didn't seem like we did. So it's uh all steps forward, I think. Is that, All right. is that how that works? Ooh, wait, hold on. Um, sixty six, sixty six from Pfeiffer through Fountain. He's boosting the goat. He said Mulligan first one didn't have the right signs. Ooh, 
Mm. Well, Pfeiffer, Reverend Doctor, you know, he knows the right goat when he sees one. <laughs> yeah. He's got a real eye for it, you know? Yeah, he's got a talent for picking out goats. Mm. <laughs> Comes real natural. <laughs> he was born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's the Shinnin. Maybe it's goat blood. Maybe it's goat blood. Um, Speaking of goat blood, it was kind of an in- interesting week on the Fediverse. Uh, so let yeah, let's get down to it. So you got real triggered this week by some some good online uh, Fediverse action. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I was just sitting here minding my own business. I actually originally I was planning on not really prepping anything for tonight's episode just to give myself a little bit of a breather. But holy, but Jesus, I saw this erupt. Uh, and for any of y'all, of y'all that are unfamiliar, the Fediverse is a coalition of all sorts of different types of applications that use a protocol known as ActivityPub. And if you were looking at this in Dimension B, what this means is you could, if Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all these other uh, YouTube, if all of these apps were connected, you could like cross communicate you could uh you could interact with these people on these different platforms using the activity pub right <coughs> and what's happened as of late is elon musk has bought twitter and i don't think we've brought any elon stories uh recently or ever uh no, no. we never talk about elon because it's kind of just a weird blown out topic yeah and dave jones absolutely called it it's no different than the Trump presidency to just give these people, I and I mean these motherfucking people, uh, just that energy, that intent to keep their names in your mouth only gives them more power. And I just, I, I can't understand how it's not obvious. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The more that you talk about someone, the more power they have. And the only reason that Trump really was president to begin with is because all these media outlets thrashed him all day long and and he lived in their head rent-free and it's all you heard about all day long from these people that you don't respect, these people you don't like. The journalists just cannot seem to understand that it doesn't matter what they say or do. I mean, if it's wrong, then people will see that it's wrong. Or if people disagree with them, you know, they're... Their extremely specific way of looking at the world is not the way that most people see it. Yeah, I mean... It's a very privileged, professional sort of perspective to have. And if you don't want something to to succeed, don't pay it any attention. I mean, it's... Don't pay it any attention. Ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. Just like from Merlin. Just turn your back on the witch and she'll go away. So, Elon, he's purchased Twitter... And everyone is freaking out, I suppose, because this African man is extorting $8 a month out of them now to maintain their freedom of speech. And well, that's the meme, but you know, it's, they've been freaking <laughs> out about before this $8 thing. They hate this guy. Twitter really showed itself to be like this last stupid little bastion of legitimacy that these guys are just desperately clinging to. Yeah. I and didn't- now they've been scattered like cockroaches. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, better get your cockroach, uh, cockroach stomping boots on. <laughs> it's going to be a busy night. <laughs> I know you did. 
the, the corpses of many a cockroach lie at your at your feet. Um. So this two scrolls by one of my feeds, and I think it came to my attention via servo. Uh, but this dude by the name of Adam Davidson at journo.host, which is a, f- it sounded really familiar, but I don't think I'd ever really paid it any attention, right? But he had this, uh, this post, there are a few servers that are solely devoted to shitposting like shitpost.host and to ugly conspiracy theories. Let's take note of the ugly conspiracy theories. Um, I'm inclined to block them on journo.host, but I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do since we are. Actually, journalists who need to know what's going on. Any thoughts? Advice? This is which not- was then responded to by an onslaught, an onslaught of people coming out of the woods and just thrashing this guy. Well, and in tandem with that, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a Google Doc floating around of all of these journalists that were signing up and then putting their names into the list with their handles, who they were working for. Um, it's in here somewhere, actually. Um, yeah. You can scroll on down. It's the, uh, or search this, the journalists on Mastodon and Fediverse responses. Uh, it's not the actual Google Sheets one. It's a local one that I have. So there was a Google Sheet that just showed who all these guys were working for is what you're saying yeah uh it's pretty big (laughs) um yeah they they jumped up to so so when i came across it it was like 400 some and last time i checked it jumped up to about 750 users on that one specific instance but you're seeing the likes of kathy griffin and uh, all these other dipshits oh yeah 1.01 thousand users right now the 1001 users basically okay so doubled over the weekend you know gotta give it to him um yeah and a literal shitstorm erupted i had never really witnessed a raid take place in real time um oh it's a been a long time of, yeah a, a bunch of users from post which is uh I think a lot of people would consider them problematic, but I, I don't really care. I'm, I'm ambivalent. Um, uh, some of their some of their people were uh, signing up, and I did not take any screenshots of the gore porn because um, I I just don't want anything like that on my computer. It's fine, um, but it was a deluge. They were getting their asses spanked over at journo.host. And this is all going on while new journalists are showing up, and the first thing that they see is, you know, all asses and heads, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people shitting on them. Even the tame stuff was brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a mega folder link listed in the notes. I took some uh, choice screenshots of everything, um, and there, there's some pretty funny stuff in there, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Uh, so I decided to be a smartass, and I I joined the instance as well. Um, in hindsight, I probably would have used a different handle, uh, just so I could have maybe lurked a little longer. They were pretty quick to shut down registrations. Uh, they still never approved my Elon at journo.host. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. A lot of nuance. Uh, but these guys, they really pissed off some people, uh, some users on the Fediverse. Uh, one of the 
one of the journos replied to Davidson, got to keep your own lifeboat dry. Block to protect your instance, but use off-instance accounts to monitor invest and investigate. What I like about this is that both Adam Davidson and this guy that you're quoting, Brian Keegan, are both bespectacled, bald, white dudes. Well, I say white, but they're both bespectacled, bald guys. I bet they both have vasectomies, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a baseless speculation. How do you like that for some journalism? <laughs> baseless? You can't say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of these folks are just totally disconnected. Uh, they are very quick to paint the box in which they live on the ground, and it's only like a four by four. It's really small. Uh, one of them said, don't mind the troll slash bots, friend. They're sent here by Elon to harass those trying to flee the fascist shithole Twitter has become. <laughs> yeah. It would, you know, and Twitter's a cesspool. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that these guys are so lily white, you know, fucking embarrassed by this whole thing. Like, they didn't expect it. These guys haven't been on the true internet. They don't know what the internet is anymore. Yeah. Because they're so confined to this little, tiny, little safe space. They are the snowflakes. It's fucking weird. Uh, there was a guy that was boasting about his crack journalism that he whipped up within 30 minutes. He was able to track down the uh, source of the attackers known as Post. Uh, and I started fucking with them <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I was like, whoa, where's their headquarters at? Uh, I actually got an Antifa website uh, that they had written up on the, I guess he's the main admin of Post, uh, Graph. Um, I was like, whoa, Antifa has a website. <laughs> and what's post? What is post? Again? Uh, it's another, uh, I believe it's a pl- uh, Pleroma server uh, on the Fediverse. And uh, they're like, you know, shitposters.club. I think that's the name of them. They're shitposters. Yeah, I got you. They're shitposters. Uh-huh. Um, so, and yeah. By shitposts, I mean, you know, fun loving people who post maybe some hardcore shit sometimes, but it's all, it's all in the name of good, clean fun. Yeah, but this uh, this guy that it, the the crack journalist as as he'll be as he will be known was within thirty minutes of being on the Fediverse, he was already calling for the authorities to be called on the owner of Post uh, and like gave out his location, gave out the article written up about him uh, from Antifa, and I I don't really have any good sources to show that Antifa has been good stewards of personal information of people. <laughs> no, not at all. They, they tend to dox. I, I feel like, which is explicitly against the rules of the server. I might add. Oh yeah. I know crushing anonymity. They're being authoritarian. They're everything they hate. It's great. Um, but there was, uh, the responses from, you know, not even the people just raiding the, the server, um, mystic who, who, I've seen him in the, the troll room, no doubt. Um, <laughs> I love this one so much. Uh, he said, instance domain don't, uh, doesn't mean all users are like the domain. Each person is different and makes an account for different reasons. For example, I didn't make my account to quote shitpost. I don't even know what that is. No, 
I made my account for the specific purpose of stalking and murdering murdering journalists. Uh, so good. A lot of people were praising that the the hatred of journalism was uniting the Fediverse. Um, it was one beautiful day where we all got along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring us all together. Um, I was I was fairly proud of the uh, of the post that I had made here. I'll share that one in the in the links for you. Someone was complaining about uh, the Federated tab. First rule of Mastodon, don't look at the Federated feed. And I said, why? He said, trolls spamming gross stuff, though seems to be on the local here and there as well. <laughs> Only response I had was, they're the same picture of Pam from uh, the office. Because it was. <laughs> I mean, it was non-stop, horribly graphic material. Hmm. I'm kind of glad I missed all that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, Servo had pointed out that by the end of the weekend, there was 2,664 new accounts. Um, and when I had wrote up uh, this little blurb on, I believe it was Sunday, they were at 750 users on journo.host alone. Uh, a lot of people were already asking, where's the celebrities at? Uh, some people were talking about setting up instances that would welcome celebrities and make it an easy landing p- uh, page for people to follow so they can Which get their... Which is Twitter's true strength. Yeah, I is guess. Their actual... Ce- I mean, if you're going to give Twitter anything, you got to get give them that it, all the celebrities are on it. And that's really what gives it its power. And having instant news or instant information. So yeah, these guys are probably doing everything they can to to lure over the celebs. That's all they care about. Oh, Servo pointed out. I see um, uh, my mistake. It wasn't two thousand six hundred sixty four new accounts that were registered. It was two thousand six hundred sixty four new domain names with Mastodon in them. Oh, I see. So people are buying up the handle or registering up the handles. Uh, probably in a bid to make people pay for them when they eventually move over. The first wave of, uh, of electronic, uh, gentrification. Mm-hmm. And, and Aaron the- landed ye.social. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> nice. Um, at one point I got kind of curious. I was, I was wondering what was Twitter saying about, uh, all of this migration? Oh my God. <laughs> there is some. Uh, one person claimed that uh, they had heard somewhere that Mas- uh, yeah, that Mastodon was owned by a Russian. Is that not racist? And another dipshit was like, and who's exactly verifying that they're a reputable journalist? Hmm. Hmm. Someone verify me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're basically journalists. <laughs> Where do you get the authority from? The authority? Yeah. The authorities gave us th- that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Taking away the blue check mark was just the ultimate troll. Oh, they're so bent out of shape about it, man. It's it's a it's a completely new chapter. It's a new day. A new day. A, a new, new day. start. A new start. Um, a fresh start. Full of. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll leave it to your imagination. Oh! 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 Uh, right. at, uh, one point I decided to check out David or Adams as we'll refer to him going forward. 
decided to check out his profile on the Twitters. And uh, on November 3rd, he said, I have to say, I am really enjoying Mastodon. Lots of academics having interesting academic discussion. Not enough journalists yet for my taste, but it feels like a real chance to start the whole thing over again. Better. <laughs> oh, we're going to ruin this place now. <laughs> yes, yeah, soon. Soon. And for this, I'm disliked. Um, and then the following day, he, he, <laughs> this guy, I love it. If we could just shut up the people saying stuff I don't like, we could finally have some free speech. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sarcasm doesn't read all that well, bud. Oh, that's great. Nope. Uh, and then if you're following along in the show notes, I included the, uh, the offending trigger toot from Mastodon in the series of four uh, messages from Davidson or Adam, excuse me. And uh, <laughs> as we'll come to find out, there's a certain air of smugness that, uh, that is lingering. And um, in this particular one, he had to say, I have Mastodon on one tab and Twitter on the next. I am truly a different person. When I go from one to the other, I become angry, sarcastic on Twitter Calmer, more open, constructive here. Amazing. Yeah. It's a real, actual, you engage with people. It's not a bunch of bots, and it's not a bunch of people trying to sell you shit, and it's not a bunch of sociopaths. It's not a bunch of fucking deranged weirdos that just, I mean, there are actually, that there are plenty of deranged weirdos. Who am I kidding? But at the same time, there's a, a small amount of them in a way that you can converse with them, and it's easy. And Twitter's just so blown out and fake. And it kind of always has been. Mm-hmm. There was there was a small time where it was like really cool and new and hip and awesome, but you know that time is long gone. And the way that these these tech companies and these especially social media companies they always go away. What were we just joking about? We're joking about MySpace and LiveJournal and Zanga and you know those things aren't around anymore. And back then, I understood why they went away because the whole point is that. The reason why TikTok is big is that there is a new generation of kids that come around and they have their own thing. They do their own thing because it's cooler to do your own thing because shit gets blown out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Grandma ends up on there and then it's no more fun. <laughs> yeah. Now that's the n- last nail in the coffin. And this sort of thing is the first nail. It's the first sign that, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a, you could, you could write a whole book about the the life and death of these sorts of things and i'm sure people have but yeah mastodon's going through the same thing right now and it's been so obscure for so long yeah obscure i've never said it like that 16 years or 14 years i think yeah um someone was boasting about how they were as journalists needing to stay on top of the current tech trends and everything um and how it's their responsibility to be there when the fresh new thing starts. And I was like, could you imagine showing up slash me forward slash me checks notes 14 years later and still have a job? <laughs> I mean, if they're so on the cutting edge, if they really are these high paid, super genius tech people, then yeah, why aren't they? Why haven't they been here? The fuck have they been doing? Mm-hmm. Hanging out on Twitter. They aren't what they claim to be. No. 
Um, and I got a couple of bullet points from some articles that were getting released about Mastodon and the Fediverse. Very few articles were referred to it as the Fediverse. Most of them, if not all, call it Mastodon, uh, which, if you remember our previous conversation, the Fediverse is the whole collection of all of these activity pub-based uh, applications, and Mastodon is just one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of authors were claiming that uh, the Fediverse scratches an itch for the twits. Uh, two, there was 230,000 new users since October 27th. Uh, that brings the total to 655,000 active accounts. Um, UCLA professors started a Mastodon account because of concern over the twits new content moderation. Uh, some super cringy quotes, but unlike on Twitter where I can easily interact with a large audience, my Mastodon network is less than a hundred followers. Suddenly I have no idea what to post. Mastodon can be calming compared to Twitter's endless stream of stimulation. Mastodon is a sort of social media escape hatch in case Twitter becomes unbearable. I thought, What's it going to be like to start over again? It's kind of interesting. Oh, that person is here. Here's so-and-so. I'm so glad they're here. Uh, so we can be here together. <laughs> this yeah. is a goddamn article. <laughs> he's, he's really in the candy land right now. Uh, some of them were having some hangups figuring out the meanings of boosts and toots or glows if you're super awesome over at spook.social. Um, no, that shit you don't figure out in a day. Takes it takes a little while to figure this place out. Um, but uh, especially for normal people. But as far as a post Musk net, maybe we'll look back and see that Elon Musk did us, the civilized citizens of the net, a favor by forcing us off our cozy, if centralized, corporatized, and corrupted internet to find and build an alternative future grounded in the founding principles and dreams of this networked age. How's that for looking on the bright side? <laughs> Yeah, they're really trying to be journos here, aren't they? Yeah, this this article actually uh, name-dropped uh, Leo Laporte and Dave Weiner, which uh, I saw Dave Weiner is recently an, a, a new member of the Fetty. Uh, but Leo isn't. Mm-mm. And he's um, quietly the most mainstream of everybody in this sort of uh, community. This yeah. circle. Now, we do have uh, quite a bit of ground to cover, so I'm going to kind of get through these uh, first Chug away. couple of clips fairly quickly. This was actually sent over to me uh, from the guys over at Prometheus.Systems. We were kind of having some discussions about um, what had transpired on the 5th of November, no less. And uh, they alerted me to the great 4chan Tumblr war of, what year was this, 2014, I think? Um, but it's, it's interesting because I've pretty much missed all of these quote unquote conflicts over the years. Um, I know that, uh, or I feel like the 2008 to 2014 really, or 2000, let's take it back a little, like 2006, maybe like, I feel like there was some sort of flip or some sort of switch and there was the, the new age of culture shaping started to emerge mm-hmm. a golden age of social media yeah well let's uh <laughs> let's let's check out the tumblr wars um this clip i've labeled kicking the hornet's nest this is the day tumblr declared war on 4chan it was independence day no less 
open the gores of hell. It began with a Tumblr post, a declaration of war that read, Join us on July 4th to celebrate our freedom and independence from racists by shutting down 4chan. The post spread, and soon Tumblr's army was preparing for war. First, let's examine these two states. Tumblr, they are one of the world's largest online armies. They are over 300 million blogs strong. And 4chan is... Yes! Yes, yes, yes! Yes, look at this guy. We've got a wolf. Very definitely a wolf. Both sides are pretty retarded. Soon the 4th of July had arrived. As you can see here on this official map, Tumblr's infantry quickly penetrated 4chan's territory. They published posts all across the B and Pole boards. Puppies, selfies, and feminist memes sprung up everywhere. We're going to <laughs> win this against the 4chan. The assault was extremely ineffective. <laughs> yes. I can't believe it. Hold up, though. I, I swear to God, I was going to bring up the Tianjin explosion when I was talking about China, when I was talking about footage that leaked out of China mm-hmm. against the Chinese government's will. And that, that bit of the guy in the back going, no fucking way. That's a guy... <laughs> In his apartment, watching the the Tianjin explosion, and and have you seen that? You have to have seen that. That's the huge port explosion, right? Yeah, massive. <laughs> it was a one-two. It was a giant explosion followed by a an even massiver, gianter explosion. If I'm not mistaken, there was actually a there was a show that I was almost contracted to go out on, but the shipping containers were over in that port when it went up and uh, <laughs> they were kind of stuck over there for a few months. Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. Well, it's one of the fucking most insane things to ever happen in our lifetime. Yeah. I mean that there have been a couple explosions around par that happened like that every now and again, that one was fucking unreal. Just, and then all like the live footage that they have of it. They have people that film that thing and then died in the explosion, but the live feed picked it up. And it was saved in the cloud. And so there's just like, oh my God, it's so awful. I, I, that's why I didn't want to bring it up. I mean, it's so incredible, but it's so fucking disturbing as well. But I had to bring it up because they literally just played it in that clip <laughs> that you were playing. Or one of the clips of that. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue. Yes, please. Yeah, We're that's going it. to win this against the 4chan. The assault was extremely ineffective. After less than an hour, Tumblr decided to retreat. But this was by no means the end of the conflict. Tumblr had kicked the hornet's nest. B was roused and ready for a fight. En masse, they headed straight for Tumblr's home base. There's been 4chan attacks. Porn, gore, and anti-feminist memes were spread across some of the more popular tags. Basically, they can't go on any tag because every tag is basically filled with gore. Unprepared Tumblr users were being triggered from every direction. Starting to get really pissed off with these 4chan idiots. It's not fun. It's actually pretty serious. It's actually super serious. I'm super serial, guys. And I have a super serious PSA 
as to what you should not do if in case you ever find yourself raided by 4chan. Alright, gather round. It's time for a lesson on what not to do if you get raided. Lesson 1. Don't spam the tags with your own selfies. Some Tumblr users thought they could compete with the spamming posts by submitting their own selfies over and over again. They soon found that 4chan seized these selfies, shopped them into hardcore porn, and then spammed them back onto the tags in greater number. Lesson 2. Don't delete System 32. During the raids, someone pretending to be a Tumblr user posted this infographic. A reported 41 computers were bricked. <laughs> Lesson 3. Don't start a petition. Someone created a petition on change.org to get 4chan shut down and managed to get about 900 signatures. So, in response, 4chan made their own petition. It managed to get about 10 times as many signatures. The only thing you can do, really, is log off and wait for it to be over. Trouble is, it took Tumblr two days to figure this out. In the meanwhile, casualties were enormous. 40 plus hours of wasted time, 500 hurt feelings, and literally thousands of triggerings. But before we close the history books on this event, it's time to look at one more thing. A conspiracy. It is now widely believed that Pole was behind the original Tumblr post that called for war. The conspiracy goes something like this. Trick Tumblr into provoking B, have the two of them war it out, and sit back and watch the fireworks. Happy 4th of July. Your parents will be very ashamed. And Paul definitely made their presence aware on journo.host. <laughs> oh, of course they did. God bless them. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, shit's crazy to watch in real time, man. And um, this uh, this curiosity was was struck inside of me. And I, I kind of got the... Cur- um, I got curious when one of the... I don't remember if they came from journo.host or mastodon.social, but they had shared a peer tube video uh, called the decentralized social networks versus the trolls. And um, <laughs> this is a, this is a, a, a brief statement from a user in a heavily quote unquote policed server, as I noted. Um, and just govern me harder, daddy. Oh, <laughs> actually it would probably help if I turn that back up. Sorry about that. I pretty much never see things that are outright hateful to a combination of network effects and my mods being really proactive about trying to firewall off the kind of spaces that cultivate dickwads. One user, Starcat, told me. The great thing about the mods is that they're community members, so they're embedded in the relevant social context. This means that they're able to act based on subtleties that might be invisible to outsiders. It also means that their curation is very active because they don't want to deal with dickwads either. Yes, please curate my content for me policed servers i love hearing those words mm-hmm. and um i've never been a mod of anything <laughs> i'll just go ahead and throw that out there uh so i don't necessarily understand the culture but i do have this gut feeling that it would only be advantageous to try and uh glean some sort of understanding behind the mentality that it uh, of the people that decide to take upon these tasks. Because it turns out, 
<laughs> they take it super seriously. <laughs> uh, they um, lived. They really think they're doing the world a service. Yeah, this is uh, this is actually a, a little bit of a case study. In March of 2020, the administrator of Queer Dot Party logged in and discovered that a member of their community had filed a request for moderation. The admin, a person going by the username MAF, was a software security specialist based in Scotland, who had moderated the instance since they founded it in 2017. Since that time, they had seen moderation reports in all the variety that the Fediverse had to offer. So, when they saw a report comment which read, Quote, reality, the Redskins started fights they couldn't win and paid dearly. They knew that they need to do some research in order to choose how best to respond to the message. At first, they assumed that the message might be related to American sports, since they were aware that a team in the U.S. was at the time called the Redskins. But after exploring the context of the post, they soon realized that the reference was not to sports, but to American history, and that the term redskin was a derogatory term for Native Americans. By itself, the comment might not have caught the attention of the major social media companies. But Queer.Party's code of conduct explicitly disallowed racism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, and any other discriminatory conduct which attacks any individual or group of individuals based off what they are or what they believe in. And the post, both the derogatory phrase and the callous justification of violence, fell outside the bounds of acceptable conduct within the instance. Given the content of the message, MAF felt that their role as administrator required an intervention, but the question remained, how to respond? Mm, what do you think the appropriate response in this situation would be? <laughs> Just walk away. Just walk there away. there will be an end to the horror. <laughs> Just walk away. <laughs> and you will be left with your lives. Oh, man. The only way that you could appropriately respond is by protecting the community. The reported post had come from outside Queer.Party, so MAF's next step was to check on the code of conduct of the user's instance. If they found that the terms of service of the poster's home instance disallowed this sort of posting, they might be able to initiate a dialogue with the poster. Oof. What they found was dismaying. Far from being an ordinary member, the poster in question was on the instance's moderation team. What is more, the server's code of conduct was filled with red flags. Quote, no LGBTQ, no homosexuality, no men who think they're women or women who think they're men, no made-up genders. The instance's rules made it clear that they'd be unsympathetic to MAF raising the issue of the admin's conduct for discussion. Given the diametrically opposed values of the two instances, MAF made the decision to make an instance-wide block. No messages from any of the remote instances' users could now be seen by members of Queer.Party. And ultimately, it was to be hoped, they would have a better experience on the Fediverse. This example of moderation, which plays out with countless permutations on the Fediverse, illustrates the difference between moderation on a federated social network and in a centralized social media company. It is likely that if a post in this example reported on Twitter or Facebook, it may not have been processed for some time. And it's also possible that it would not have qualified as hate speech in the terms that the larger platforms would have recognized it. MAF was highly aware of the space they were engaging in and was able to delve into the context surrounding the content, <laughs> both in terms of the subject matter and the background of the poster. 
After examining options for intervention, which included everything from dialogue to sentencing or blocking an individual, the administrator was able to take a step to not only respond to an individual user's report, but to proactively protect the community at large. Ah, yes. The three-click champ. Love it. <laughs> three-click uh, chump. Yeah. Th- oh, excuse me. Three-click chump. Yes. Yeah. Three-click chump. <sighs> Man, so and the reason I, I pulled that clip specifically is I saw some instances announcing that they were proactively going to do the same thing to journo.host as there was fears of, as we looked earlier, of this tweet of, you know, you sanitize your boat, but go undercover and start investigating all these fools, these quote unquote retards in the ghetto um and uh there was people they they defederated as to protect against um you know getting spied on and getting doxxed by journalists for for you know journalists showing up into your neighborhood and then reacting in a piss poor fashion and turning around and using their platform to write hateful articles about how fucked up you are and then turn around and spoon feed it to all of these useless idiots, and uh, and then watch them be like, oh, yeah, and treat it like a big fucking fraternity where everybody has to like think. I don't know. Everyone has to. This is what you need to do to be at the top is to actually think like this. It's not that the people at the top think like this on accident. Mm-mm. It's part of the ritual. It's part of the game. You have to be. One of them. One of them. One of them, yes. And uh, this will be the last bit. Uh, did you ever get on Gab? No. I didn't either. And it was kind of a dumb question for me to ask. But, um, well, you know. I guess we, know. we had barely missed uh, Gab trying to join the Fediverse. Uh, or I, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, no, I was not aware of this incident. Oh, dude, this, this will be... This, there could be some, uh, I want to pay attention to this one. It's pretty interesting. Activists like Lorelai campaigned hard to get web clients to block Gab's domain at the software level. Another user, Yowlin, pressured app repositories like Fdroid to tag Fediverse client apps with promote bigotry if they didn't hard code blocks to Gab in similar instances. As a result of public pressure, at least four of the major Fediverse clients Tusky, Toot, Mast, and Amarok block Gab in some fashion. And at the instance level, a vast number of Fediverse communities simply don't associate with Gab or related bad actors. Catgirl, the administrator for LGBTQIA.is, recalled their experience when Gab entered the scene. Quote, I remember when Gab first came out. I checked it out and immediately you had one of the guys saying to shove Jews back into a train. That goes beyond a freedom of speech server. It's more of a freedom to incite violence server. When I asked whether Gab was an isolated instance, they replied, no one wants to federate with them. It's a circle jerk of people spreading hate. Ash Furrow explained his decision not only to defederate his server from Gab, but even from instances that federate with Gab. Setting up two degrees of separation from Gab is a rare step, but Furrow sees it as a necessary step, since through them, negative content might seep into the instance he maintains. 
It's either the case that they agree and they're like, oh wow, I don't want to be associated with this at all. Or they see it in a sort of free speech absolutionist terms. And you know, I can kind of see where they're coming from. And listen, I'm Canadian, I'm not really a very vocal person, I don't like confrontation, but I'll tell them, is federating with Gab more important than federating with Mastodon.technology? It's a decision that I put in their field. Through these dynamics, communities of communities have formed within the Fediverse through different codes of conduct and different definitions for acceptable speech. Instances like Rage.Love, Stardew.City, and Social.Linux.Pizza publicize lengthy block lists detailing servers that they don't federate with or what's that (laughs) pizza (laughs) i know right um so yeah it's uh there is a there's a good amount of politicking behind the fediverse and what happens is uh these instances some by associations like i choose to federate with post because whatever i don't care other instances are like oh well that that won't do. We'll go ahead go ahead and have to block you too. And um you can actually go to journo.host uh their about page and you'll see all of the uh the servers that they've already blocked. It is quite the list. <laughs> oh boy. The block list. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, shitposter.club's in there, repeated trolling behavior. Uh, Bitcoin hackers, Chud Buds, Detroit City, Dobstown, FreeComeExtremist.com has been banned. Uh, Post, Spinster, Mugicha, Bajax, Beefy Boys, Chicken Fan, uh, Cum.Salon has been banned or blocked. Uh, Masoki.st has been blocked. The Merovingian Club, The Milker Cafe, Monads. <laughs> Pooper.social, plush.city, radland.party. Come on. You're going to block <laughs> randland.party? Fuck you. Uh, I, what else we got? This kind of reads poster. like the hip list of places that you got to be. Check us out. slash about. <laughs> this is the cool people list. We should fucking save all this because you just got on a very cool list. Uh, our drama, shitposter.club. Sneed.social? Oh, come on. I need to be on Sneed.social right now. Uh, Truth.social. No. Truthsocial.co.in. ZZTales.gay. I think I might skip that one. But, you know, you never know. I want to check it out. Uh, What else we got? Freeatlantis.com. Yep. Speech Friendly Network. Guilt by Association. Oh, my. It this is-, is a who's who. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it is absolutely the Streisand effect. 110% cotton gin, 110%. Yes, yes. this is uh, for every action, you know. Interesting, very oh, interesting. Yeah. Liberpunk.club. Oh, really? Stop.voring.me. Stop voring. Liberpunk was, is that the Montreal one? Hmm. Libra Punk. I think there's one very similar to name. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, a, a friendly general instance for coders, queers, and leftists. Oh. It's a leftist organization. Uh-oh. And it was banned anyway. It was blocked anyway. Well, 
So wow. I, I do have a uh, an account with the tinfoil hat newt social as well, and uh, over there there was a a toot that scrolled on by, and oh my goodness, this was in reference to Adam Davidson. Quote: Look into the journo admin of that instance. He's been accused of being CIA before. Oh. What? Spot oh. the spook. Spot the spook. And uh, man, that was full trigger on board. Let's go. There's something spooky going around these here parts. Spook that social, baby. And this guy actually might be more up your alley, truth be told, because he is a business writer. Um, oh. He writes about the stock markets and all that. He was Davidson? a. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's. He, I was looking him up. He has some money shows. Yeah, the NPR podcast Planet Money, and he won the uh, the Daniel Score uh, Score Journalism Prize for coverage in Iraq. Uh, he was featured as a col- columnist for the New York Times, and in 2016 started working for the New Yorker. His father was an actor, and they grew up in the or he grew up in the West Beth artist community in the West Village. Let's, yeah, West Village boy. Yeah, let's hold on to that one. We're, we're you're gonna have a lot of cards in your pocket tonight. Hmm, who's his parents? Let's find out who his parents Ooh, we'll, are. We'll get there. We'll get there. I don't have okay. a name for the mother. I, I did not make it that far. Um, okay. Uh, he does. He's been on record saying that he does not like unions. On uh, News Guild's attempt to unionize, quote: None of us wanted. Uh, none of us want to do anything that could jeopardize the magazine we love. We don't want so strong a union that mediocrity reigns and it's impossible to get rid of poor performers. We actually kind of like the feeling that we need to continue to earn our place. Ooh. Uh, he, mm. won, he won the George Polk Award for his reporting with Alex Bloomberg, not uh, B-L-O-O-M, uh, B-L-U-M. Uh, yep. for a Alex piece, Bloomberg. For the piece, uh, The Giant Pool of Money, and then explained the highly complex chain of events that led to the sub- Prime mortgage, uh, mortgage crisis by showcasing interviews with participants of each sector of the crisis. Mm. Uh, these days, he's making money writing books and giving lots and lots of speeches and master classes and all that sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, he's from the University of Chicago uh, and has a, a certificate in the artisan cheese and sensory fundamentals. Uh, sensory fundamentals. Sensory fundamentals. Yeah, how how to taste cheese? Oh, he's a he's a cheese expert. Yes, the cheese man. Well, that's pretty uh, spiffy. I, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any one of us who wouldn't want to be an expert cheese man. <laughs> no doubt. <coughs> uh, yeah, this Adam Davidson fella. Yeah. Oh, in his degree too. was uh, history of religion from the University of Chicago. And uh, mm. Lightbright actually <laughs> asked me this. She was like, when's his birthday? Because I was showing her this Substack stack uh, that he's just started. And I looked it up. And lo and behold, he's a Leo. And this is definitely going to explain some things. Uh, mm. Yeah, looking at his face right now, he's got that Leo energy. And he just knows he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> you could imagine is a huge uh, conflict. <laughs> yeah. He comes into Macedon and is just like overwhelming people being like, you're an idiot. And he's like, what? What? Me, an idiot? <laughs> well, funny enough, his, su- oh shit, uh, his sub stack, <laughs> God bless him, 
his Substack was called uh, Adam Tries to Talk to People Who Are Wrong. <laughs> oh, this seems like a very open-minded fella. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I pre-leaked part of this story to Mary Kate Ultra because I just had to get her hot take off of this. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Oh, it's so good. So oh. good. What? Mary Kate Ultra said something about it? What? Well, no, I I was I had shot her a DM. I was like, check out this crazy shit. Because oh, I didn't I, I didn't want to spoil anything for Monday. <laughs> You're spilling beans to people. Oh like yeah. Oh, it's it, you know, sometimes this shit's just so good. It's just so hot, you gotta drop it. Drop it like it's hot. Um Yeah. Uh it, Quote, in my newsletter, in my new newsletter, I try to do something rare and radical these days. Talk to people I think are wrong. I'd love for you to check it out. <laughs> um, the comments are not much better. I'm, I'm, I am expressing extreme restraint uh, to not go in there and just start moshing around until I get banned. Um, Being this, very delicate. Yeah. Tiptoeing through the tulips, as they say. In his, uh, his introduction, he actually talks about uh, how he could talk to suicide bombers during his stint in Iraq. Uh, he could talk to the Holocaust deniers and supporters of Hitler that he ran into while he was in Baghdad. Oh, that's why uh, things are going so poorly over there. Yeah. Um, this guy was, was <laughs> fucking up over there. Dude. That I makes a lot of sense I as guess, to why things are going poorly. I guess the 9-11 conspiracy theories were pretty fresh in 2002. Um, but... Sadly, oh, they're fresh from day one, man. <laughs> That's fair. That doesn't make any fucking sense. What? Why did the buildings? Do, wait a minute. Building seven did what? It collapsed. A, a steel framed, state of the art building collapsed from a, what? A desk fire? <laughs> um, and nobody talks about it anymore. And there's no mention of it at the memorial. What? What's that all about? Dick Cheney did what? Anyway, uh, please continue. Sorry. He went on to state that uh, he has not, however, been able to stay, uh, been able to have conversations for the past six years. He simply can't talk to Trump supporters. Um, I can't stop telling them that they are wrong, and they can't stop doing the same to me. I don't feel my understanding of the world understanding of the world expanding. Uh, on the contrary, I find these conversations, even the ones with people I know and like quite a bit, to leave my feeling uh, to leave me feeling more closed off more certain of my rightness, more furious at their self-serving myopia. Oh, yeah. Thick like syrup. Thick like super syrup. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's actually get into some of the shit that he's got to say. Um, cause there's no shortage of material that he has put out on the interwebs. And uh, he's out there these days in 2020, I believe. These actually, I did something kind of fun for this show. Um, so ever since we had MoFax on episode 66, Soylent Green New Deal, I've mm -hmm. always tried to maintain the notes in some sort of fashion, like, oh, well, this point led to this point, to this point, to this point, to this point. Mm -hmm. For this episode, I actually figured we would work back from 2020 all the way back to before he was born. Because uh, I got uh, quite a bit of stuff that we can pick through here because it's just, it's gold everywhere. Um, but these days, he's got his own sort of brand called the Passion Economy. 
And uh, he claims that it's born out of the widget economy. And it kind of sounds like the nuke, uh, nuclear family was a uh, freak of nature accident that nothing like um, the middle class in, uh, gaining more wealth ever happened in human history. And uh, it's just not self-sustainable. So this mm-hmm. is uh, this is how the pa- how is the passion economy changing the way we look at jobs? Adam Davidson. I think a lot of people don't realize that the world we have lived in for the last hundred years is just a blip in human experience. That uh, it it started to feel just normal that people work in big companies, that people have things called a job and a career path, and that people make more money in their 40s than they did in their 20s, and they'd make more, even more money in their 60s, and that kids make more money than their parents did, and, and that there's this sort of general sense of progress. That's this weird little thing that happened to happen in the 20th century. It happened really happen. would have been seen as utterly confusing and unlike basic human nature at almost any other time in history. And there's a lot that was wonderful about that blip. It really transformed the world, but far fewer children died in infancy. Mothers didn't die giving birth. People lived much longer lives. They had more to eat. They had more uh, comforts. Things like pain relievers, things like uh, international travel, international communication, all the things that we associate with the modern world came about because of the widget economy, because of that blip. But we're now shifting away from the widget economy into a new kind of economy. So what fueled that growth in the 20th century was the mass production of the same sort of thing, getting better and better at making the same stuff faster and faster, cheaper and cheaper, and getting it to more places. And that is a form of growth that is revolutionary. It's more, more growth than ever existed by far any time in human existence. But it is about sameness. It's about turning people into variations of the same thing. You have a job. It has a title. You have to suppress who you are to satisfy the needs of that job. Products are not designed to match some particular person's unique interests and passions. They're Coca-Cola is for everyone everywhere on earth. Ivory soap is for everyone everywhere on earth. And this new economy, the passion economy, it comes out of the widget economy, but I I see it in in most ways as a real uh, advance, a a progression from the widget economy. Uh, You've fallen along. (laughs) Yeah, roughly, roughly speaking. And, you know, there's some things that... uh, that I've, I've heard him talk on that I don't necessarily disagree with. Like, I don't think that, um, you know, to be a cog in the machine fits everybody. I don't believe that at all. Um, no, and, I, and I believe what he says about us being at the, the tail end of a golden age and, and that, you know, manufacturing and the industrial revolution, as we understand it, blasted the population up. It was, it was blasting. And now we're kind of, trying to sustain it and have that same level of growth, which we can't maintain. I, I see that. Yeah. And um, I'll skip the next clip for this one. The, uh, in the rest of the video, he goes on to talk about uh, actually different forms of decentralization and like offshoots of the, to me, the 
he's almost kind of gussing up the gig economy to look like a passion economy. Um, but uh, you, you can check it out and make your own determinations uh, if you so choose. Uh, he did have some interesting things to say about finding your niche. And on this show, one of my favorite beats is to go out and find conspiracy theorists in the wild. And that will be part of my argument tonight is not only is this guy a spook, but he's also a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) Mm, They're often one and the same. And here he is talking about finding that niche. There's a lot of thought, a lot of people talk about having your right niche or niche. I, I was raised to say niche, but some people say niche, which I think is absolutely right. I, I sometimes feel like it's thought of as like this cute little add-on to our economy, like uh, like a, an indulgence. Like, yeah, most people have to do the main thing. They have to get a big job at a big company, but maybe you could get your cute little niche. A proper niche, when you are actually producing a unique product or service and you're finding an audience that particularly loves that thing and is able to pay the value that it brings to them in a way that allows you to have a successful business, that's not a cute little add-on to the economy. That is a much more function, a much better functioning economy. That's an economy where the vast majority of people are able to get things that add more value to them in more real ways. Uh, and that the people producing goods and services are able to have more satisfying lives. They're able to um, not only make more money, but but live more authentic and real lives. Finding your niche to me is is a is is a is a profound profound thing, and and, and so profound that it's worth an investment of time. Sometimes I talk, you know, to younger people, or it also could be older people, but um, who say, I don't know what my thing is. I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what my niche is. You should think of it as this like really important, precious thing that's worth investing years into finding. That doesn't mean you sit in a room thinking about it. You get a job, you do work, and you pay attention to those things that speak to you, those things you seem to be particularly good at, those things other people are telling you, hey, you're pretty good at this. And you associate yourself with people who are doing things you find appealing and you study them and try and figure out what you could copy from them, what you could learn from them. Yes, I think having a niche is, or having a passion, is the, the sort of the central responsibility of being a fully, a full member of this economy. I think that- Oops, missed that at the end. A full member of this economy. Yeah, he had me all the way up there till the end. And then he just absolutely debases it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He could have gone and said, you know, a, a, a full-grown human being embracing their blah, blah, blah. But no. Oh, but he, no. He didn't always feel that way about uh, not being a, a part of the machine or being that cog. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that later. This, uh, I do have this specific ISO pulled from this uh, segment. You found your niche when the stakes are actually very high. Stakes. Yeah, you have found your niche when the stakes are very high. And uh, this this show was born out of some pretty high stakes. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's definitely a labor of love, no doubts. 
Yeah, we're functioning members of the economy by doing this this show. Isn't that great? Yeah. Do According you, to this guy. Do you think this guy was being a functioning member of the economy by <laughs> embracing his niche? Oh, man. I, I think that when Twitter went down, his stock went down, you know? Ooh, well, this, uh, this was even before the Twitter acquisition. This is from 2020. Oh, I know. But, but just, I'm talking about in relation to what's going on now. But yeah, this guy, he's been around a long time. He's a seasoned fella. Oh. He was, he was doing shit, uh, back in the, uh, the, the 08 days. The housing crash of 08. Well, he made his bread and butter there being a douchebag during that time. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Um, there was one article that claimed that he was worth upwards of 800,000. Uh, you know, numbers are fake and made up anyways, so it yeah. doesn't matter. Fake, uh, fake numbers. <laughs> but uh, this is Adam exploring his niche. I'm really glad to have the chance to talk to you because I've appreciated how you've been looking at Trump's finances over the past few years. We just had this big tax story. What was the biggest surprise? What did you find most remarkable uh, in uh, what the Times uh, published earlier this week? I'd say for the kind of Trump obsessive finance reporters, I wouldn't say it was fundamentally different from what we expected, but the level of detail and the confirmation was just stunning. I mean, this is obviously virtuosic reporting. (laughs) Virtuosic. There's a very crystal clear story about this guy. He (laughs) is so just clear as the midnight sky, clear mountain night. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. He would say something like that. He's a he's a sappy writer type. Oh, that's what he showed himself to be. <laughs> that's the mark of a true New York whatever journalist. <laughs> the Mastodon oh page was a, a shivering sewer of filth, and I waded through it in my expensive <laughs> shoes and feeling the mighty whitey tighties. <laughs> <laughs> my chest verklempt, held in my hand. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, as the trolls descended upon me like the orcs upon uh, Minas Tirith I was overwhelmed was born to such lucky circumstances he received a level of wealth that is really astounding hundreds of millions of dollars from his father there's a few business deals over the years really very few maybe Trump Tower maybe one or two others that he actually, it seemed to be his idea that have been profitable. But for the most part, this is a guy who got incredible wealth from his father, made a series of colossally terrible business decisions, and really lucked into, as Patrick Keefe at The New Yorker so beautifully described, lucked into this apprentice deal that brought in hundreds of millions more. And it it really teaches us how awesome it is to be an incompetent, rich, white guy in America. Like, it's really, really, really good. More crack journalism. <laughs> Who was he talking about? He was talking about Trump. <laughs> he's talking about Trump. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, uh. And he's, uh, there's no shortage of uh, all sorts of appearance, guest appearances on other podcasts where he's breaking news on finances in 2016, 2017. 2018 like <laughs> it kind of tapers off a little bit in 2019 to mm. 2020 we see a resurgence <laughs> oh you know when trump went away it really hurt him yeah uh he might have been a little too preoccupied in 2019 
the reason being is that he got into a joint venture with Sony Music. What? Sony, where everyone goes to die. Yeah, Sony wanted to get into the red hot business of podcasting. No oh, doubt. Oh, God. Yeah, man. <laughs> and what, a Walkman? Give me a break. Yeah. Their goal was to create both scripted and unscripted material for multiple genres. Uh, so they partnered, Sony partnered up with uh, Davidson and uh, this other individual. I don't have their name immediately. Uh, but Sony would control all of the like business tech, recording, posting, marketing, money, um, and would get 50% of the, of the, of the deal. Oh yeah. Solid business model. Everyone's going to flock to that deal. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, dude, Sony is like the GE of media companies. Just old <laughs> turd company. That's just too big to fail. They just keep going anyway. Is this, uh, is this something that sounds like GE would say, quote, there are a lot of podcasts out there, but a lot of people haven't found the podcast for them. <laughs> You'll probably find it at whatever the fuck this was called. Um, oh, and it turns <laughs> out that uh, Sony, the, um, his co-host of planet money, Alex Bloomberg, he had started a media venture called Gimlet media and spoofy had bought them for $230 million. What? Ugh. It, it's <laughs> man. There, there's some money in podcasting. <laughs> Apparently. Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. People treating podcasters like they're fucking baseball players. Ugh. Okay. We'll give you an $80 million contract, buddy. You're going to make me go and download vomit. ISOs. <laughs> Six years, 80 million. What do you say? Yes or no? Oh. Shake it, buddy. Yeah, they uh, they end up hiring people from Business Insider, NPR, Slate, ESPN, and more. Um, and the director, Adam McKay, is there as well. Uh, <laughs> uh. What do you think one of the first shows they, they release is based on? Uh, true life. True crime. Oh, the biggest market. That's the biggest market. That one has the biggest market. Ooh, the goat. Mm. Yeah, oh, Peter yeah, snuck yeah, in. yeah. Peter snuck in second, second, have a show. Slaughter a goat, 66, 66 sets via CurioCaster. Ooh, was it the live tag? Yeah, it was, boy. Oh, oh. groovy. 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 Boo. Spooky. Bitch. Um... Uh, where was I? Oh, uh, so the, the first, one of the first shows that they release, it is, it is a show about none other than Jeffrey Epstein. That's right. They sign a multi-million dollar spill, uh, deal with Spotify to do a conspiracy theory podcast about Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> oh, you mean an Epstein scrubbing piece? Ooh. That Fucking, could be, could be. Dude. There's so many docs on Epstein that exist out there just to show you 1% of what's out there. And it presented as everything. Cut cut case, boys. We don't know. We don't know anything. There's nothing else other than... And he, and he killed himself. Good luck. So these guys were doing that. They're fucking doing a nice little scrub piece. You know, I did not... Um, I wanted to listen to it. I did not get a chance to. So I can't actually... Uh, I can't go on record officially to say one way or another okay, what their okay. approach is, but I can only imagine 
uh, which which angle they explore and only explore. Mm. Ooh, uh, the he he does get a little uh, he does get a little brazen with corruption in New York City. This is what he's got to say in two thousand and eighteen. The New York economy would collapse if the corruption was removed. One of the things I hope we do as a society, I, I would guess we won't because um, we didn't after the financial crisis, is hold people accountable. Hold people accountable. Absolutely. I mean, look at Trump. Look at Manafort. Look at, you know, I, I was talking to someone high up in, formerly high up in the Department of Financial Services in New York State who regulates, mm-hmm. you know, the and and he said that I was saying, like, what's your sense of money laundering into New York high end real estate? He goes, well, yeah, obviously it's a lot. And he said, we actually had a discussion at the highest levels about trying to clamp down on all this money laundering into New York real estate. And we determined it would be devastating to the New York economy. And so we couldn't do it. And I thought, wait, so you're saying the New York economy is rooted in illegal activity. And, um, you know, I have a lot of I do have a bunch of family members who who struggle with drugs and been in and out of prison, um, largely nonviolent crimes. But um, and and I think about the life they live, the life of constant scrutiny, the life of of a very aggressive policing, and then I think about what we're learning about just how easy and Ooh, casually spooky. wealthy people with power are able to abuse that wealth and power to get more wealth and power, and and I I really hope. There's a correction there, but the problem is the correction would have to come from people with wealth and power, and right, probably won't. Makes sense, right? <laughs> Makes they, sense. They they'd all be in on it. There's there's a lot to agree with this guy, man. I I I truly mean that. Um, yeah, seems to be raising some some decent points. Yeah. Uh, this is the part of the of tonight's show where it takes a little bit of a weird turn. Because um, you know what they say about fellows, right? How would you describe the theory of the case? I, I think the theory of the case is pretty simple. This is right after the financial crisis. There's not a lot of real estate deals to be had. It was this paradoxical period in Trump's life. Because of The Apprentice, because of his TV stardom, he had never been more famous. He had never been more thought of as the model of a successful businessman, of a successful developer. And his business was in a lot of trouble. You know, there were multiple bankruptcies. He was losing control of the casinos. There was a real need for cash. The Trump Organization really is no longer a developer in the traditional sense. It's not building buildings. It's not buying land and then constructing a tower. It's really becoming a marketing company. It has this brand, Trump, and it goes around the world and around the country and sells that brand. There's a few reasons why these Georgians were interested in the Trump brand. So part of it, I think, as people have told me, is it really clicks with what wealthy Russian men or former Soviet Union men think of as manliness. He may be the most eligible bachelor in America. Please welcome Donald Trump. They love the gold. They love the marble. (laughs) The flash, you know, the old guy with flashy clothes and a young, beautiful wife. And there's a real brand synergy there that maybe there (laughs) isn't in other parts of the world. 
Remember, the Trump Organization is switching to an international posture with like four or five people doing these international deals with very little experience overseas. And they're going into very complicated countries with deeply corrupt economies and, and uh, really problematic interactions between business and politics. And eventually what happens though is you are in bed with some really bad people. This that seems pretty dirty. Yeah, so m most of the stuff that he's got has just been following Trump for the past uh, couple of years. But in this next clip... Make he, a whole career out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing... And I know we've talked about this before, but it's the, the picture of all of the books that have been written about Trump in a big pile. <laughs> People have made bank oh, on nice. this. Oh. oh, it's a total fucking cash cow, dude. But... Uh, can I read his book on Biden? Is it is it any good? Uh, yes. <laughs> Did I, he? Oh, okay. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'd like to read all the work that he's done on Biden. You know, because Biden, who's been a corrupt uh, political official for oh half a century, I'm sure he doesn't have a lifetime's worth of bullshit that you could put into a book, make a living off of. But now, and. My issue, my issue with that previous clip is that it starts off with, well, let me explain to you how easy this theory really is. I mean, it's basic. It's crystal clear. Only a fool couldn't under, uh, only a fool couldn't follow this, right? Um, this next clip is actually the one I was thinking about that, that na uh, name drops Columbia University. This happened in 2011, 2012. Why should we care about it today? And does any of this have to do with what we care most about? Russia, Russian collusion. Uh, by the way, the, the guy interviewing him just asked what, what we care about most. Russia, Russian collusion. <laughs> the good old days, man. I kind of miss this. Yeah, that was debunked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want my Russian piss tapes. Yeah, so Ooh. the, the me reason too. that I, oh, I, I see what happened here. I'm sorry. Let me take that back for a second. Russia. No Russia collusion. collusion. Yeah, so the, the, the reason that I started getting passionate about this story was when um, Donald Trump, in an interview with the New York Times, um, basically hinted basically. that if basically Robert hinted. Mueller, the special counsel, begins investigating his business deals, he would consider that crossing a red line and hinted that he might fire him. Hinted. Now, I, I already knew a fair bit about how the Trump Organization worked, and I had the strong suspicion that if there was any kind of collusion, we don't know if there was, um, we it don't probably know. had its we don't know roots if there was. in a business deal. Probably. So I talk about. thought to look more carefully at deals in the former Soviet Union. And what I saw here is... This music. The, the connection to Putin is... Fucking detective on the hops, job. You know, the, the shin bones <laughs> yeah. connected to the ankle bone. <laughs> I could not have done it without um, these two Columbia University. They were journalism students and now they're Columbia. investigative fellows. They spent un unbelievable... We're going to have to take that back. <laughs> Fucking Columbia. Oh, not yeah. spooky at all. Columbia University. They were journalism students and now they're investigative fellows. Investigative fellows. Investigative mm. fellows. Sources familiar with the matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lizards really talk this way. <laughs> that they do, my dear. That they do. <laughs> yes. Um, 
So yeah, I just, I had to get that out there. That's like, to me, that was the first bell that I heard when I was looking at this guy's material on the interwebs. And uh, I'm just going to, let me give him a little bit of. Maybe not Ring that Ding, one. ding, spotted you, spooked you. <laughs> I did fucking pull. stealing unsolved mysteries music and fucking making a case over it. I'm God a church damn. bell. Yeah, man. Time it to turns read out the that Bible. Trump was never found again. <laughs> never. <laughs> Sources to this day look for him in the rivers, but he does not arrive. Uh, anyway, yeah, good. Good for you, dude. Yeah. Do you want to hear what he says? What a great track record. He's been right about so many things so far. Man. Well, he was, I like his philosophy to a certain degree, but let's, then he goes and does this. Let's check out, because surely you want to hear what he has this to say on the Clinton initiative. Oh, I'm sure he's very, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. 2016, it's the creepy theater. Uh, he is holding no punches with this quip. I've spent a decent amount of time at the Clinton Global Initiative. I, I sort of fell into this thing, which what I'm about to say means I'm probably going to fall out of this thing. But I've been, because I've spent a lot of time reporting in Haiti, I, they often ask me to moderate their big Haiti panel every year. And, oh my. and to be clear, I don't make any money or anything like that, but I do go oh, and yeah. moderate a panel at the Clinton Global Initiative and go to a few other sessions. And I've done some other things there. And there is a real creepy vibe to me personally at the Clinton Global Initiative. It oh. seems to me, that it is all about buying access. You know, it's incredibly expensive just to go to the thing. It's hundreds of thousands or hundreds something thousand dollars to go, and you meet all these people who are sort of selling their little private equity energy startup or whatever, and there's sort of these explicit ways in which you get access, you pay more money to get more access to political leaders and to really rich people there's this and and to big corporate leaders there's this <laughs> kind of creepy theater that happens where you have the ceo of coca-cola or ibm or whatever or ge up there with president clinton and they're just oh bathing my. each other in love over how generous and wonderful they are and how much they care about the world and all these like earnest people applauding and thrilled and then you know, every hour or so they parade, you know, Angelina Jolie is hustled through a room and she doesn't stop <laughs> talking to anyone. She's not like hanging out, but you get to say that you were with Angelina Jolie that morning. It just feels like the worst version of an elite selling access to the aspirational, to creating this theater of doing good, but it's all about something else. It really feels gross. Wow. Mm. that's quite the admission man i like that a lot yeah did you catch that fucking coca-cola and ibm <laughs> yeah yeah and ge we brought up ge earlier yeah and coke he, he and he, coke he, yep everybody yep. everybody drinks the same coke oh man but not everybody does the same coke <laughs> unfortunately uh, he continues on with the opening night clip, but uh, literally, literally, Clinton was lording over him. I remember one year, the opening night was, opening night party was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they literally, like, there was the second floor that was blocked off by Secret Service, where Bill Clinton is standing, where you can see him with all the, like, truly elite, and then the rest of us are like staring up at them because we didn't pay enough money to get up there. Literally really holding gross. it above There's your some, head. Yeah. Given that, Literally. given that, Adam, should they 
do what they, they said they're going to do after the election <laughs> right now, which is cut off foreign donors now. They and, and, and my experience, by the way, just to, to, to reiterate, because I would be involved in kind of planning these panels, is the Clinton Global Initiative, which is separate from the Clinton Foundation, related but a separate staff, a separate office, at least it used to be, they would really want like a good event, like with controversy and actually, you know, they the reason they came to me is because I, you know, have produced radio shows and they wanted like to create a good hour of conversation where people disagree. And then the Clinton Foundation typically would come in and say, no, no, no. You, you need to do it this way, where it's just a bunch of people congratulating each other on how awesome they are. And, and here's a head of state of a foreign government to, who needs to be on that panel, even though they have literally nothing to say, um, but we promised him a slot. Yes, it's disgusting. If you are planning for 12 years to run for president, or eight, 16 years, whatever it is, don't set up a foundation where you're beholden to scumbags from other countries. Like, yeah, that, that's ridiculous. And if you're Secretary of State, tell your husband not to do business with them. And there's this, like, second-tier meme, which some people have been, like, the Clinton Foundation does so much good around the world. I feel fairly confident it is not in the top tier. I mean, if you talk to development professionals, it is not in the top tier. I have seen their work in Haiti up close, in person. There's some very good people who work there, but they are Haiti is one of their singular focuses. It's a very small country they have not had a major impact on Haiti. It's more the performance of very public <laughs> charity, not the actual intervention but it's not in good. deep and meaningful ways. I, yeah, I guess I just, I, I, somehow I'm not as worked up as you guys are. <laughs> and that was the other co-host uh, replying back to him. It's like, oh, hey, no big deal. Now it's interesting because mm. on his website, he has a link to an article called uh, Frontline, the Haiti Aid Dilemma, but uh, the actual content of the post has been scrubbed. <laughs> it's literally just, oh, I did the thing. It's just a blank box. There's no text associated with this article. Hmm. It's all just a little uh, veil. Mm-hmm. There for, for display only. Um, I'll probably skip this one, but uh, he was in 2015. If you recall, I brought up the name... Adam McKay, a Hollywood director, uh, Davidson was a contributor to the big short. Uh, to the, it's a good movie, too, the big short, 2015's The Big Short, which was about the mortgage crisis. Yeah, a lot of top-billed actors, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt, um, Christian Bell, Steve Carroll, uh, Steve Carell, yeah, Ryan yeah. Gosling. Yep, yep, a lot of big, big shots in that one. Who that, that was directed by, uh, who? The big short. Big time director now. Oh, oh, sorry, Adam McKay, of course. The, um, yeah, and, you know, of course, uh, his, his father was an actor, so he's been around the, uh, the entertainment side of ce uh, celebrity-dumb dumb um yeah he's a new york guy these two clips are so this is 2013 he makes an appearance on the stephen colbert show uh, everyone's favorite oh man and he is here to teach us about what is money and bitcoin <laughs> doesn't count 
because it's trolls backing it, not the government. And this is NPR Planet Money Man saying this, too. This is official intel. Yes. I don't understand. I don't understand. How, how did this unregulated imaginary currency invented by an anonymous hacker and backed by the full faith and credit of YouTube comments ever go wrong? <laughs> Here to tell me, please welcome one of the hosts of NPR's Planet Money, Adam Davidson. Adam, thank you so much for being here. All right, all right. Okay. Adam, okay. So, so what caused this crash, okay? Was there a Bitcoin bubble? Which crash and which bubble? The, the crash that just happened this past week where when it was a 266 and went down to like 56 or something. And today it went up to 100, then down to 60, then back up to 95 just today. Just okay, so at this, mo at this moment, do I buy or sell Bitcoin? This second. Never buy Bitcoin, would be my advice. Why buy, but ever, it's, it's this hot new thing. I mean, why shouldn't I buy this thing that is sometimes worth something? Well, if you do have money that you have no need to use ever again in your life and you want to see what happens with it, then that's a reasonable investment. But there's absolutely no way to know what it's going to be worth in five minutes, let alone but, five years. But is there any way of knowing, like, gold? Is there any way of knowing what gold is worth? Because gold is, what is gold worth? <laughs> Because gold just crashed, right? Gold just tanked, and it's the worst day in 33 years. Yeah, well, the problem with thinking too much about these questions is you start thinking, mm -hmm. what is money? What is value? Adam, what is money? <laughs> what is it? What don't I get about Bitcoin? How is it not money? Well, it is money in okay, the sense so that why you like money? Yes, but money that has a very long history of backing by a government like the United States government that has hundreds of years, trillions and trillions of dollars. So how did Bitcoin get where it is? If there was nothing really behind it, how did it ever get there? Hundreds of years of bending you over a barrel experience. It is an unbelievably cool computer program. It, it has figured out all sorts of things about how to create trust among weird strangers on the internet who will never meet each other. And but isn't that like a, that sounds like a pyramid scheme or something. It, could there be some guy at the middle of this who created it who's just raking in all the cash and everybody else is a sucker? <laughs> useless. It's useless. Don't buy any ever unless you have money to throw away. You would be better off to burn it. <laughs> I love that. T 2013 was such a long time ago now. Yeah. A lot it's it's almost a decade man just about 10 years coming up on it and man yeah bitcoin was such a fucking joke back then mm -hmm. what does he say it's 60 bucks 90 bucks can you imagine just for reference today it's at like a, a year or two year or three year low and it's at oh i don't know twenty thousand. it's been hovering around twenty thousand dollars or the better part of i would say four or five months it had a high of sixty thousand dollars uh, at one point uh, in the last year or so. Yeah, it's still 150,000% upwards of where it started or whatever that math works out to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's increased its value so dramatically. I mean, it's nothing, I don't know, nothing really even comes close in our lifetime of anything. If you talk about like the way that certain people of a certain age talk about Apple stock and how it, you know, if you bought Apple stock in 1989 or whatever, you know, it's just like, yeah, okay. If you bought Bitcoin in 2013 and you hung on to it right now, you would have, uh, 
I know, man. I know. It's it's ridiculous. And there are a lot of people out there. (laughs) There are a lot of people out there kicking themselves for selling. But you know, it's what you do. You people are used to, you know, ten X or twenty X being a big deal. This is like forty thousand (laughs) X. Anyway. Um I can play the uh, the second part of this if you want to hear it. Mostly, he just goes on to claim that people only use Bitcoin to buy drugs, uh, which, you know. Which was true back then. <laughs> um, and NPR at the time was not accepting Bitcoin donations, uh, which is sad. Mm. This should really get with the times, man. Yeah. Hey, do you remember the, the very beginning of this segment when... We listened to him talk about not being a, a cog in the machine. Yes. Uh, he yes. did not always necessarily feel that way. And I'm noticing that this clip is 33 seconds, 33 milliseconds on the dot. Um, this is uh, this is Adam pissed off. I am on a mission, and, and that mission is to save my cousin DJ's life, to make his life better. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I want to say, like, I, I love DJ. He's, he's like, my awesome little brother. Um, he's, he's really smart. He's really, really funny. And, and I feel like he has made a horrible decision. He has literally made the decision that puts him on the wrong side of our economy. So he's on the wrong side of the economy. He is on the wrong side of history. In what way? Ooh, what way? What do you think his, uh, his boy has done? That has made him so upset. He's got to go out on this mission. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> he actually scared me. <laughs> uh, both of those came from Lavish. He Boo. said, uh, for 66, 66, work, stream, work, and then 88, 88, boost in the gimp. And fuck you, gimp. The uh, I had to do it. I had to do it. It was... Uh, it was it was important, you know. The stream might have been bipping and bopping, so I decided to make a sacrifice, and I also wanted to tell the Gimp go fuck himself. Yeah, fuck that Gimp. Uh, yeah. You can always call six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Leave us a voicemail with what you think he uh, he is. Uh, why do you think he's so upset? He dropped out of college. He <laughs> he did the one thing. Let me explain why I get so upset about this. And I am. I'm feeling myself like angry at DJ right now while we're talking. So I I am international business and economics correspondent for NPR, which basically means I spend much of my time talking to leading experts, studying the role of the U.S. in the global economy. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing I've learned with absolute certainty, which is that the competitive advantage of the United States and our citizens – the way we will succeed in this global economy going forward is through skills, education, knowledge. In other words, stay in school, get a college degree, and Go you'll college. be in a much to better code. position. In the global economy. In the global economy. In the global economy. economy. And, and the global economy. What's he talking about being a cog in the global economy? The, the global economy. Is, is the passion economy still part of the global economy? We're all part of the global economy, damn it. We live in a brand new world where we're all the same fucking thing and we eat the same bugs and fuck you. Mm -hmm. And if you drop out of college, then you have basically consciously decided to 
just not partake in the economic growth and possibilities of the coming decades. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. That is incredibly racist of him to say. Ooh, they should probably cancel this guy. That is uh, wow. Just wow. If he's going to say extremist things like that, he should go to, you know, places like Mastodon where they have, you know. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Um, queer leftist coders that are really endangering people. We'll, uh, we'll skip this one where he's talking about NPR's Planet Money from 2008, but to sum it up, uh, basically, if you want to strike it big in the entertainment industry when it comes to producing material on the financial uh, markets, you should release your shows the day that the markets crashed in 2008. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> dumb it down so that everybody can spoon it in and uh he does go on it was pretty funny to listen to he goes on this lengthy uh uh just musing i guess of like oh should we have been funny should we have been poignant on the show should we have played it straight <laughs> just like well how should we have approached this show what should what Where's should our style market? be yeah. How do we attain the biggest global audience? Oh, and yeah, Pfft. nailed it. You saw, yeah, you got it. <laughs> You're here. Yeah. You're there. Um, <laughs> genuine, <laughs> genuine. Yeah, and so, uh, this. I don't know what to make of this, but when he was a, a young lad, this is uh this is him reading from a journal that he had wrote while he was in high school. The actual recording comes from uh, 2001. We fast forward it a little bit. This is like, uh, this This was actually released on August 3rd, 2001. So this is like a month before 9-11 happened. This is Living the Dream. December 3rd, 1986, Wednesday. Another fascinating day in the life of Adam Davidson. I have a math test tomorrow. I'm going to school early to tutor a girl in my class for the aforementioned test. My math class, a joint pre-calculus and calculus class, consists mainly of seniors not especially interested in learning. I guess that I'm the, quote, class expert, unquote, in that I always do the math problems which no one else can. And for this, I'm disliked. I guess that because I apply myself, think clearly, and do a little work, as well as some intelligence helping out, I am a geek. In truth, I am far from it. When you first um, read that to yourself, when you first saw it, uh, your reaction was? It was pure horror. Recently, Adam Davidson, an occasional contributor to our program, found his old high school diaries. Adam's mom is Israeli. His dad is American. Adam grew up in New York. His body was in New York. His brain, as the diaries reveal, was somewhere else entirely. I remember when I was writing it, I remember very clearly, although I don't, I don't say this in the diary, that it was very clear to me that this was the diary of the future Prime Minister of Israel, me, <laughs> um, that, that I would one day be Prime Minister, and it would be very important for history, for people to know the deep thoughts of a young Zionist as he prepared his way to lead his nation. Oh boy. 
Now, our, our regular listeners here in This American Life might remember Global. that you've been on our program describing oh, yeah. uh, your experience in Israeli army summer camp. That was right before I started writing this diary. Read, read me another. Sure. Let's see. Sure. Um, there's so much wrong with Jews and Israel that I'm going to have a job ahead of me. One thing is the lack of any strong Jewish identity among most Jews. This attitude sickens me. You Jews of the world, stop worrying about money and well-being. I do not know what exactly I'll do, but if this situation continues when I'm a bit older, then watch out, world Jewry. Here comes Adam. And watch out, world Jewry. Here comes Adam. was all in capital letters. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. It would have been funnier if he had said Death Con 3. God. Man, cancel him. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to make note of what uh this the same clip comes from the same or excuse me. This next clip comes from the same video. I'm not sure what it was about. And crushes and you know, a hopeless geek who can't get a girl to kiss him and being scared and confused about growing old. I'm I'm the future prime minister of Israel and everything you know, goes through that. But I don't know. I mean, well, just but maybe, the- but maybe keeping a diary where one tells the truth, maybe that's a, a luxury of being a certain, you know, kind of person in a certain kind of situation. Maybe, maybe other people in another kind of situation need to actually make up a little fantasy. Yeah. I think, um, I didn't have much angst about, being the future prime minister of Israel, I was very calm and confident and comfortable with it. And I had so much angst about every other aspect of my life. And so (laughs) I now see it as just kind of a, maybe it was a good solution, you know, it was a good way to deal with this, with, with what I was going through to have this space where I could just be, you know, one of the greats. (laughs) Wow. Visions of grandeur for this fella. Oh yeah, man. And uh, spending some time at the Israeli army summer camp <laughs> probably only emboldened him harder. You know, a lot of the pleasure of being in camp is the pleasure of being part of this team, this group that you just feel loyal to, which also happens to be one of the pleasures of being in the military since ancient times. Well, Adam Davidson is half Israeli, grew up in America, and when he was 15, he went to a camp run by the Israeli army in Israel on their own training facilities. The campers ran the same drills. They shot M-16s. It was all designed to convince these American Jews to move to Israel and join the Israeli army someday. It's so exciting because you really feel, I mean, you know that at that age, when you're 15 and you're in Israeli army summer camp, there's no one in the history of the world who is cooler than an elite army unit soldier. I loved the fact that we would go to the bathroom and the toilets wouldn't have a seat because that's a place where terrorists could put a bomb. And it just felt so macho, crouching on top of the seat and showering in this freezing cold water. Because what? A Sayeret Matkal would need hot water? What? Time to go to church! <laughs> so, so empowering to squat over the toilet bowl. To <laughs> yeah. Very disturbing stuff. Uh, so this is my, that was the kind of the part two of why I feel this guy is attached to intelligence of some clandestine nature. Oh, God. Yeah, this guy is definitely a spooky fella. Well, man, you know, nothing makes you more spookier than your actual fucking bloodline. 
In this country where supposedly anybody can grow up to be president, we have one candidate who was raised in Washington, D.C., son of a U.S. senator, the other guy, son of a president. And it's confusing to some of us, especially our contributor, Adam Davidson, who discovered recently that he and George Bush share six, that's right, six common ancestors, all of whom <laughs> lived in 17th century England. Adam is wondering, how did this happen? Where did my side of the dynasty go wrong? And what did his side do so right? Why did he get the presidential nomination handed to him and I have to borrow money from my girlfriend me. to pay the rent. I think it's probably true that George W. Bush is probably. not that bright. But he knows something. His He's whole family knows something. I'm probably smarter than him. They know power. And they know how to get more and more power every generation. Well, uh, Adam, you and George Bush are both descended from Experience Mitchell and from a sister of Experience Mitchell was descended the late Prince of, uh, uh, the late Princess of Wales. Presidential genealogist Gary Boyd Roberts. And so uh, you, Prince William, and George Bush Sr. and Jr. are all about uh, uh, ninth or tenth cousins of each other uh, through this one forebear. So this is a matter of one uh, set of six to eighth cousins becoming social registrarite uh, American leaders and the others uh, remaining in small towns or small cities. <laughs> It's all about who you know. And, you know, being related to the Bushes, that, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. And this is before the days of Obama. So, I guess vicariously, Adam Davidson is related to Barack Obama. All the presidents, they come out with an article every now and again that shows you that all the presidents are related to some fucking English king. They're all descended from, or most of them are descended from one bloodline somewhere. Yep. No doubt. And when we talked about Bill Gates, Bill Gates also has a deep English uh, uh, family lineage that can be traced at least back to, to the times of Cromwell and the Protestant Reformation. The, Old families, people. Oh, yeah. The um, Adam was descended uh, directly from his daddy, uh, Jack Davidson, who was an actor in the West Village. And um, he seems like a cool enough guy. You know, he was doing some uh, Tennessee Williams, like some of his first shows when Tennessee was uh, releasing them, performing them and all that. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I forget the name of the movie, but his father was featured as an actor in this movie that ended up going to Sundance and was received very, very well. And this is Jack Davidson responding to what Adam Davidson said about his father uh, his father's reception at the Sundance Festival. It was shown in Sundance, as it featured in Sundance, and uh, uh, and going to Sundance was something, you know. Um, my son Adam went there with me, and he wrote an article about it. And he said, oh, my dad is being treated like a star here. Why didn't he ever become one? <laughs> He said, I hate myself when I say that. <laughs> anyway, being a working actor is can be better than that. <laughs> better than that. Just sit the fuck down. <laughs> you know nothing. What could be better than that? Uh, so I appreciated that. You know, I, I think his father was a little like, oh, what the fuck? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Why, why aren't you hella famous? I, I thought this was all about the passion economy, bro. <laughs> Granted, there's you know how Good many years, him. yeah. Um, 
what's interesting is his appearance goes all the way his first his 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 appearances go all the way back to 1984 and on his website he has this archived uh, New York Times article about children staging a nuclear protest in Central Park quote a group of youngsters from the Lower East Side Community Center performed a dance around oversized building blocks that when stacked on top of each other formed a missile that symbolically killed off the dancers a teenager from the high school of the performing arts pretended to be having a quote nuclear nightmare while his fellow student uh, fellow actors skeptical of his fears asked did you have pizza before you went to bed the children had begun the rally in a very adult manner with a news conference and invited other children to ask questions. When an 11-year-old uh, Adam Davidson asked, why don't you leave the fight against nuclear war to the adults? An actor responded, uh, it's not sufficient to leave it to the adults, she said. That's what we've been told to do so far, and they're not doing such a terrific job. <laughs> this, this guy started out young, man. You should have been in the Mickey Mouse Club at this point. Basically was. Basically. And uh, it even goes back further than that. His whole family was part of a um, the West Beth Artist uh, Village. And it was subsidized living that was uh, given out to um, artists. And they started up a, this whole little community. And this is, a, this is one of the founders talking about... Um, the upstart and uh, one of the reasons that they chose the building that they're in is that Bell was operating out of there at one point and um, there was some military stuff being done on the, on the property uh, as it happened he and Roger Stevens had hatched uh, an idea earlier that summer as I understand it that the Kaplan Fund uh, as a philanthropic endeavor uh, would join forces with the National Endowment on the Arts uh, to um, uh, acquire a building which had recently come on the market, namely the former uh, headquarters building of the Bell Telephone Laboratories on West Street, right on the Hudson River, um, two blocks south of 14th Street, sort of putting it in kind of the old meatpacking district, the lower end of the meatpacking district uh, end of things. Mm -hmm. um, and they had the notion that uh, by proceeding with uh, that acquisition, they might be able to do what uh, the prime purpose of the endeavor between the two of them uh, envisioned, namely, uh, how can we uh, assist relatively moderate income artists who want to, or who already do, live in New York, but really can't afford studio space, and so uh, it would be wonderful if we could find a building that would provide them with both. Uh, at a reasonably uh, affordable rents, and that was the that was the main driving idea before West behind Westbeth, and it wasn't something that I came up with. I think it was probably the invention of Jack Kaplan, who was a very imaginative guy, and uh, conceivably his daughter Joan Davidson uh, may have had some very early input into it. But in any case, by the time the the uh, July and August of '67 came round. My name somehow came before uh, Jack Kaplan. I don't know who sent it or how he picked up on it, but he called me up 
uh, and asked me to meet him for a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, in my memory is going to say late July, but it might have been early August of '67. <clears throat> in any case, it was before Labor Day, um, and he, uh, being a very um, shrewd and and a clever businessman, didn't tell me all that uh, was involved. I'm not sure he knew what was involved uh, altogether. No one did at that time. <clears throat> but he sketched the fact that the Bell Telephone Laboratories building, which I was familiar with because uh, Bell Labs was at that time part of AT&T, which was a much different AT&T than we have today, much bigger and much more uh, powerful. Um, <clears throat> he knew that I would know something about it, and he knew that I was interested in things having to do with the city, and here was his chance to uh, turn this uh, property into um, housing for artists, and it sounds like a pretty nice idea. Mm-hmm. And so later in this, or uh, in different parts of this interview, uh, he says that uh, he was working for AT&T at one point uh, when he bumped into Jack Kaplan, who was one of the guys that uh, financially funded this venture of reconverting the building, the AT&T building. Um, uh, let me, I lost the place on the page here. Give me a second. Um, he, 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 he at one point said, uh, not that AT&T was a government, AG, a government agency, it was definitely a corporation, and was definitely interested in making money, uh, but it turns out that this building is where things like the transistor was invented. The first talking picture, the jazz singer, was developed and screened in the theater that was at this complex where Adam was born at and lived as a young lad, until he went off to Israel to do a summer camp with the Israeli army. When he came back, went to school at the University of Chicago, got a degree in the history of religion, started reporting, moved to Baghdad to re- <laughs> after he'd found out that he was related to George Bush, <laughs> started reporting on the Iraq war, had to flee... He ended up fleeing the country because he was accused of being a CIA agent, a CIA agent at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. This guy's man. as old American spook as you can get. This yeah. guy is nothing but fucking stars and stripes, spoon fed from the beginning on. This guy reeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can actually. You can see the quote. He's uh, it's one of his transcripts for an episode of the uh, This American Life show. And he said uh, at one point, um, if things got really bad, he was going to get smuggled out of the country. Uh, at one point, two people came up to him. Two separate people came up to me and said, "You know, the sheik who you're friends with, he's telling people that you're a CIA agent." He was like getting these dudes to come over to his apartment at some point and, and getting wine drunk with everybody. <laughs> uh, there's a really scathing uh, website that I found called uh, Naked Capitalism. And they have pretty much listed all of his, uh, I guess, shameful moments. And none of the material that I had pulled from or tonight... Yeah, none of it came from this. So oh, you found it later. Yeah, yeah, man. So interesting. This guy's on the Fediverse. <laughs> yeah, this guy's definitely on the radar too. Jesus. And I told him that 
by banning Booberry at journo.host for doing nothing wrong, for violating none of his rules, uh, none of the server rules, that he had killed journalism and was fucking its lifey, uh, lifeless corpse. <laughs> and then he blocked me. Yeah. Truth hurts. Um, I, I have two things that I would like to leave you with. Ooh, yeah, no doubt, Pitar. Ooh, Pitar with the, the glow-in-the-dark boost. Mm-hmm, 1,114 sets. Uh, here's a quote of his. I feel, and this came from the Naked Capitalism article, um, I feel like the voices of business journalism is sort of, it's an authoritative voice of God. And I would like to dedicate this episode to Moth Person at Booberry at journo.host. Um, Spooky. In memoriam, November 5th, 2022 to November 5th of 2022. A long and sturdy life of one day. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. That's it. Who knew that you were going to get into a tip with this guy and then end up, uh, you know, doing a whole dossier on his life. Yeah. And, and it, exposing him for what he is. It's all out there. Fucking chill. It's all out there on the interwebs. Nice. I like it. And it's all collected in our show notes. If you head over to zososcorner.substack.com, you can check it out there. You get all of the links you need so that you can tune in every Monday night when we go live at 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And uh, you can find us at badradio.live. 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, just for anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the pre-stream, yeah. yeah. Uh, show starts around 7.30, 9.30, Yeah, I like to throw the Pacific in there, because I'm biased. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, yeah, get out of here with your biased self. Oh. <laughs> we don't want, we don't want that. Oh, but the goat... The goat says yes. Yes, yes, yes. Pitar coming in with a quick end of show goat slaughter. Oh my goodness. Thank you for dowsing our floors more than they've already been doused. It's so sticky. Yeah, it's like a cake of blood. A big, thick, juicy fucking cake. Oh, more blood. More blood. It's a never-ending merry-go-round of blood. Oh my god. Yeah. Don't you forget it. I I accidentally opened the track in a new way in mix. (laughs) I don't know what I did. (laughs) It's it's new. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Um but yeah, this is this has been episode 125 of Behind the Schemes. Um, come hang oh, out with us. Yeah, who was that one? That was Pitar. Got another goat in there because we're a value for value production, which means that we don't accept ads. We don't accept any uh, any corporate sponsorship of any kind. We are purely publicly supported by listeners uh, all over the world. We're an RSS feed, and uh, you can find us anywhere where there's no paywall. We're totally free. You can find us at BehindTheSchemes.com with threes for E's and schemes or loveislit.com 
And you give us a call at 612-263-7999. You can go to our chat room. We have a fantastic chat room at hashtag greenroom at irc.zeronode.net. You can find that at our website. See our show notes at zososcorner.substack.com. And uh, if you want to email us, you can email us. My my email is lavish at behindtheschemes.com or boo at behindtheschemes.com. Yes. Well done. I like it. Yeah, I think that covers most of it. Yeah. And also check out the uh, shirts that we got at Make Heroism and and Mary Kate Ultra. They got all the designs on. Go to the show notes and there's a link there. Check out our sweet shirts. They're very high quality. High quality. Most definitely. Oh, I forgot to tell you the weird thing that I did. (laughs) You did a weird thing? I totally somehow made an RSS feed of my spook.social profile. And I added it to the podcast index. Boost and toots, baby. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. You mentioned it yesterday before uh, uh, douchebags. Uh, you told Bemrose. Yeah, man, that shit was wild. Yeah. Now, I'm yeah, go- that's funky shit. I wanted to go figure out some more weird internet freak things to do. But until that time, I'll be Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And enjoying the non-smoky part of the season here at the Bereft Coast, I've been lavish. I guess that because I apply myself, think clearly, and do a little work, as well as some intelligence helping out, I am a geek. I'm a church fan. And for this, I'm disliked. Another fascinating day in the life of Adam Davidson. The CDC is like this whole governmental body with scientists and shit that just tell us what to do. You don't have to think about it, dude. Booberry and Lavish uh, just uh, motorboating a bunch of boobies. That's a fun fucking fact. That's what this is, you know. Satanic black magic. Sick shit.